Hi everybody, Rob from the Hooked On podcast, How To Be Great here. Look, we enjoy doing what we do, for the love of it, it's wrestling, enjoy it, remember? But if you do feel like dropping us a few quid to help us out, be our guest. We don't expect it, but we will appreciate it. Thanks ever so much for your support. Don't forget, it's wrestling, enjoy it. Welcome once again to the show that is the Suns Hooked on Wrestling. We could not be happier to be back with you this week. Whether you're listening in the gym, in the car, in bed, on a walk, at work, skiving, wherever you happen to be, thank you so much for listening to us and this particular episode. I'm Rob McNichol and joining me is my regular co-host and my good old friend, Mr. Paul Benson. How are you doing, Paul? Hello, Rob. Hello, everybody. Thanks for having us again. Really appreciate the fact that you keep pressing play on our podcast. We know there's plenty of choice out there, and for some reason, more and more people keep doing this every week, so we thank you for that. Well, I've come to a conclusion. I think it's something that, um, uh, it's something, well, that's, I'm going to give myself the credit. It's an idea that I came up with at the very start of uh, season two of the show, uh, and that is that is our gym of the week. Okay, right, go on. So, so from the very start, we've been doing gym of the week. Um, we had Jim Ross on the first yep. show big hit there uh, we did uh, Jim Duggan didn't we week two we certainly did yep uh, and then uh, last week um, was uh, Gail um, Gail um, Gail Kim um, Gail Jim which, which sounds like Jim uh, J and K next to each other on the keyboard so it's as good as and this week we've got uh, Nick Aldis yep yep that fam- famously a Jim is well, Nick short for Jim well no but as we speak we're waiting for him to come free he's actually in the gym um, he is, you're right. So we're, yeah. wait, we're waiting yeah. for him to be able to come out of the gym. Uh, and uh, his wife is Mickey James, and James obviously is the long version of Jim. So oh. actually, he's twice the gym uh, than anyone else. <laughs> we are really stretching this point now, aren't we? Uh, yeah, you could say that. I think but we, we will. I am absolutely convinced we will, before the end of the year, cram in a whole, whole load more gyms. So if you have a request uh, for your gym of the week... <laughs> You, know, you can find us on uh, where are we on for Twitter and Facebook Paul go uh, Twitter HO underscore wrestling Facebook facebook.com forward slash HO wrestling I like how you said slash um, it's uh, it's an early one for Paul there. I caught him out a little bit with the uh, the social media plugs but he did a good job now if there's a Jim you would like us to speak to Jim Brunzel Jimmy Hart Jim, Jim Neidhart Cor- Jim Neidhart Jim Cornette the Jim and I uh, anyone you like um, give us a shout we'll uh, <laughs> We'll do what we can, and uh, we will endeavour to have to up the gym quota uh, on this particular podcast. We've, 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 we've really got it. That's a great poll. Let's let's ask our readers, our listeners. Sorry, God, I always say bloody readers. Let's ask our listeners which gyms would you like us to to interview. Let's um, do it. Let's put it out there on Facebook. And um, we should we should try and interview gyms in gyms. Oh, oh goodness me! <laughs> you are stretched in now. <laughs> Ringing up David Lloyd centers just to ask if we can bring Jimmy Hart. <laughs> it was We'd have to. <laughs> we did have a great. To be it was brilliant. We we got James J. Dillon in the Bannantines. <laughs> 
signing up with Fitness First for a year just so I can call Jumping Jim Brunzel. Well, Jumping jump Jim Brunzel, would he class as a, a pure gym from pure gym? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I, well, you could, you could, or we could, we could interview Jim B, as in Killer B, Jim B, drinking Jim Beam. Yeah. Okay. I get my cow. Yeah, I think cow. I think you have lost it now, but um, <laughs> that, really, that really is pushing it. But uh, I actually, uh, I move office premises next week, and we've got a gym in our uh, in our new office. So I think uh, I'll, I'll maybe. Uh, I can get it can done you, live. Can you him? Yeah, live from the treadmill. That'll be uh, that'll be good, wouldn't it? We'll. Uh... Oh, so it's an actual gym rather than a person gym. Yeah, it's an actual gym. Yeah, that's, that's, we'll um, we'll work on that. So um, uh, yeah, Jim Beam. We can drink Jim Beam. That might make it a better podcast if we just get hammered on Jim Beam every week. That's what do we could do the uh, the old um, the old Joel Ross theory of uh, doing a podcast where we'd uh, we'd start on the wine at the start and three hours later we have oh, a, you sen- know what? a sensational podcast and two absolutely arsehole hosts and we could always eat Slim Jims <laughs> I never thought of that yeah <laughs> snap into a Slim Jim anyway <laughs> moving moving swiftly on from this as you can tell very deeply rehearsed opening segment uh, no we've got Nick Aldis on uh, and Nick is uh, the current NWA World Heavyweight Champion um, that might have gone under some people's radar what even is the NWA, you say? It's not what it used to be. Well, no, it isn't what it used to be, but this is a belt which has legitimate lineage back to the 1940s, and even, you could say, right back to 1905 with the likes of Frank Gotch and George Hackenschmidt and all those good guys. Um, let's face it, it isn't the same as that. It's not the NWA that you saw in WCW. It's not even the NWA that you saw in TNA. But what it is, it's a pretty exciting new project, um, mainly based off of YouTube, uh, youtube.com forward slash nwa uh, but Nick is uh, travelling the world defending the title uh, and we'll be talking to him very shortly uh, about uh, not only his uh, Aldis crusade all around the world to uh, defend that £10 of gold uh, and to um, bring nwa to more and more uh, viewers which is a great idea but also some of his uh, theories uh, and opinions on the wrestling industry because he's a very interesting erudite uh, person and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to some of his views. Before we get there, we just want to kind of reintroduce ourselves for any uh, new listeners. Uh, we are Hooked on Wrestling. Um, Paul and myself, uh, well, mainly Paul, it has to be said, are responsible uh, for looking after many, many, many pay-per-view parties all around the country for most of the major pay-per-views. That is, the Royal Rumble, WrestleMania and SummerSlam. Uh, so if you've been to a bar to watch the Royal Rumble in January and you had a great time, chances are you were at a Hooked on Wrestling party. Um, we ran a vast amount for the Rumble, we're doing even more for WrestleMania, and we won't go into too much detail on this podcast, we kind of alternate our plugging, and we'll talk a little bit later on in the show uh, a little bit more deeply about it. But Paul, just very quickly, um, if people want to find out a bit, bit more about our pay-per-view parties and if we're in a bar or a city near them, where can they go? Yeah, the very best place to go is facebook.com forward slash HO Wrestling. I can't say slash today, can I? Oh, no. some, some reasons can't say it. Um, forward slash HO Wrestling. Um, and you can get all the information about what we do across the country, about all the individual events that have been announced. We've announced over a dozen for WrestleMania. We've got more to announce in the coming days and weeks. Um, I know, you know, we like Rob says, we are the biggest pay-per-view WWE pay-per-view uh, viewing party organizer in the country, biggest and the best. We like to think, you know. Obviously, I've noticed, you know, there's a, 
we've been doing this for what five years now across yeah, the five country or six, yeah. five years yeah it'll be five years um, well it's five years for Royal Rumble and, we're, in, um, we're in our sixth year we are and you know it, as with anything that's that it's fun and successful there are now a few imitators out there I actually noticed one uh, company that obviously will remain nameless trying to claim trying to, trying to say they were the biggest WWE pay-per-view party in the country um, this week on uh, on Facebook I saw them trying to boldly claim that um, yeah yeah I think they might have copied that from our um, Facebook page because they copied quite a few other bits as well um, and all I'll say is that you know come back and speak to us when you run 13 events on one night um, pretty successfully hello you know? what's happened to you where's this come <laughs> from <laughs> I'm supposed to be the, the you know the braggadocio prick on this podcast giving it plenty about myself you're supposed to be the nice one Everyone likes I you. Know, I know, You're supposed it, to be one in the background doing all the hard work, like working away like a Trojan. And by that, I mean a horse that moves like it's wooden. But generally speaking, you're the nice guy, and here you come, having a go at other people, just trying to make well, a living. It's not, not so much having a go. It's just you know, it tickled me, tickled me that uh, um, that you could make such a bold claim with uh, you know, it doesn't take much research to realise that it's completely uh, fabricated. But hey, hope there's room for plenty. Um, and you know, may the best man win. I am amused. Every now and again, we do get. It's not very often it has to be said, but every now and again, we do get someone saying, uh, "We listen to the podcast. Uh, we look at your website and stuff, but we don't come to your pay-per-view parties because we go somewhere else because it's cheaper, or we stay at home and watch it on the network." It's like that's fine. You're more than you're more than entitled to do that. But we we would like to think that we can offer you something that's a bit different. We know you can watch it on the network. We could watch it on the network and have a nice stress-free couple of months, quite frankly. But what we like to do is try and bring something a bit different. So we are we are a whole night. You don't need to turn up at five to twelve. Well, you can turn up at five to twelve and watch the pay-per-view on a big screen if you wish. But we're about so much more. If you're with us eight o'clock or so in the evening all the way through the night you'll get some wrestling tunes you'll get a quiz we'll do fancy dress parties dependent uh, sorry fancy dress competitions uh, dependent on the venue we might have things like a WWE gaming competition we might have beer pong all sorts of stuff we have fantastic hosts that bring a lot more to the party um, that's what we're about so we'll, we'll leave it there and you can go make your own uh, uh, judgments about us and, and find out about uh, where you can watch Wrestlemania with us but w- what I'll leave you on uh, is that if you are the kind of person that likes to watch things socially. Maybe you prefer to watch films at the cinema rather than at home. Maybe you like to go and watch live stand-up comedy or live sport or anything like that because you like an audience, you like how it feels. There's nothing quite like watching your sports team at the ground rather than watching it you know, live on the television. So wrestling is a bit like that. And the next best thing, if you're not going... Hey, by the way, if you're going to WrestleMania, ace. Have a wonderful time. Let us know how you get on and spread the hooked on word. But... In the short term, if you're staying with here and you're, you're you're going to one of the uh, one of our shows, you will have a blinding time. It is the next best you can be to being there, and I absolutely mean that, because it's the atmosphere, it's the sociability of it. You will make friends for life, and I can absolutely guarantee that, Paul. Yep, I uh, it's, it's the best part. We say it every time we talk about this, but seeing the excitement that people have and. You know, people. A lot of people who are wrestling fans. You know, I the exception. A lot of wrestling fans aren't sports fans more generally, and they wouldn't go to a. They wouldn't get the get sampling atmosphere like this for other stuff for other sports, and to see so many people having such a good time and just throwing caution to the wind, shouting, screaming, getting into it like they couldn't at home, because um, they might wake the 
boyfriend, girlfriend, wife, husband, child. Um, you can make as much noise as you want at our parties. It's actively encouraged. If you don't hug a stranger by the end of the night, then you've uh, you've not done it properly. When Harry Kane appears at the far post to give England a 2-1 win against Brazil in the World Cup quarter-final this June, there will not be a bigger reaction than there was when Shinsuke Nakamura won the Royal Rumble three weeks ago. The noise was absolutely unbelievable. I watched people jumping up and down, as Paul said, hugging strangers. I saw one girl crying. Actually, physical tears, because she was so happy that Shinsuke Nakamura had won the Royal Rumble. That is very, very cool indeed. And our environment is one in which you you can feel comfortable doing that. No one is going to go, crying at wrestling. We're all going to go, we know exactly how you feel. And that is what the atmosphere is like. I love wrestling for that. Most wrestling crowds I tend to find are very much like that. Um, you know, I've got a good uh, sort of empathy with one another, and, and, and you know, it's a, it's a good environment to be in. Ours is extra special because you're you're in a, you're in a different place. Uh, most people come in small groups, but people can come on their own, uh, and it is a great environment. So we'll we'll leave it with you now. We'd love you to come and sample it. We've given you the details, but at the end of the podcast, we'll cycle back. And we'll give you a bit more information Just about all of the, uh, the if, venues. Before before we move on, Rob, I have to take Umbridge with one of your points about. Uh, Umbridge? Are we was, doing Umbridge? Was, I don't think we're doing was, Umbridge this year. <laughs> was there a, was there a bigger reaction? The uh, the bigger reaction than Shinsuke Nakamura winning the Rumble was the reaction from me when I went to the front desk to welcome some guests, and I realised someone one of the people who was coming to watch the Royal Rumble with us at our party was none other than Tony Storm. Yes, that was Paul. Paul that got a big Paul reaction from me. Tony Storm, I, pop, I popped like a mofo. Yes, although I was slightly miffed that I'd predicted there as a potential mystery yeah. entrant female for the female Royal Rumble, and suddenly it dawned on me that I couldn't be more wrong because she was thousands of miles away in London. But then I realised I was going to be able to sit next to her and watch some of it. So what the hell? Swings and roundabouts. That was the best moment. By the way, Paul was so excited that. Um, he, he predicted the. I thought you were going to say. I genuinely thought you were going to talk about the hurricane. <laughs> the fact that he predicted the hurricane, but he did. He came. We, we actually didn't watch the show together. We normally watch the show together, but we were actually different different parts of the uh, the building this time. But he came up during the show and said, "I don't think Tony Storm's going to be in the Rumble." And I thought this is a very odd thing to start saying. And he went, "Cause she's just turned up." <laughs> I loved it. So we've had a few pop along, haven't we? Uh, Tony Storm was yeah. at this one. We've had. Uh, uh, Katie Lee came, didn't she? Katie Lee Birchall, Katarina Winter yeah, from TNA, came to one of our shows before, and uh, many other British guys. Jimmy Havoc's a regular. I don't, don't, won't we've, be had to, we've, we've had Tatonka. We've we did have Tatonka, so we've had, we've had some uh, some interesting uh, people turn up at our uh, party. Do you know what? Actually, when we went off air last week with the interview, even uh, even Gail Kim, I was telling her about uh, some of our pay per view parties. She went, "Oh, that sounds fun. I might even come one day." So you never know who's going to show up to one of our pay-per-view parties anyway well yeah we might well half price anyway um <laughs> we'll uh, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it but uh so th- before we do go on we also want to thank uh the majority of you that are listening uh well a large proportion anyway of you listening that have been uh hooked on supporters for a long time and uh you know we couldn't have done anything without our regular people that have supported us spread the word well, I saw people at the Rumble Party this year that I saw at the Rumble Party five years ago when we ran it with two weeks' notice and got 80 people to come to a bar. Now we're doing 500 in London and other thousands across the rest of the country, but I'm still seeing some of the same people. And they're now with two, three, five, ten others that they've spread the word to. So to all of those people and those that are listening on here, thank you very much. 
uh, we're much appreciating uh, your not custom but your friendship and your uh, your part of the community because uh, that's great fun as well and just one final hooked on plug and um, we talked about our social media uh, we have welcomed uh, a new member of the hooked on our hooked on team is growing vastly by the year uh, by the week to look after all of our parties and various different things but uh, uh, Matt Bourne has come on board not doink um, a different Matt Bourne who is uh, helping us with our social media at the moment and so uh, there is a lot more going on particularly on our Facebook page so we, we really really encourage you to come along uh, and join in that because it's a fun community uh, those of you that play the uh, the sheep quiz I think as we speak it's Thursday night I think we must be nearly done on our entries are we Paul? You've got like 15, 16 spots left. Yeah, so if you're listening to this on Friday morning and you've not done your sheep quiz, get in there quickly. I'm not even going to plug the sheep quiz this time because if you don't know what No it need. Is, no you're need. You're not going to get in there because we're, we're limited to 50 places and it's going like lightning. Cause it only opens For, the first rule about sheep quiz is don't talk about sheep quiz. That is true. And the second rule is um, no shearing until the, uh, the spring. That's <laughs> the second rule of uh, sheep. Um, but uh, moving on, uh, we will talk a little bit later in the podcast... Uh, uh, about Elimination Chamber. We're going to get into the nuts and bolts next week uh, in terms of previews and that kind of thing. But Paul and I will have a little chat about our our thoughts on the pay-per-view as a whole. Uh, but generally speaking, this week is devoted to uh, our chat, which is upcoming uh, with Nick Aldis. As we say, you'll be familiar with Nick from being uh, Oblivion in Gladiators, from being Brutus Magnus and then Magnus in TNA. Uh, but now, rather thankfully, uh, he's wrestling under his own name. Uh, he has been in the wrestling industry for the more than half of his life, I think, and the guy's only 31 years old. Um, he's a talent. I don't care what anyone says. People, people have got a negative opinion of him. I am not one of them. Neither is Paul. Um, and I think he is a, a great choice for the NWA as their kind of figurehead in their new sort of rebirth, as it were. Um, and just before we uh, we bring Nick onto the show, Paul, I wonder if uh, you can remember the first time you came across him, because both of us will have met him in different respects from our work uh, alongside TNA, Paul on a more official capacity, me when I was working for The Sun the first time around and was a, a wrestling correspondent. Um, when's the first time you met Nick? Can you remember? Yeah, I can actually. I met Nick on uh, on the TNA tour where he made his debut. Um, he'd just been brought in, actually. Um, he was handpicked by Dixie Carter to come into the company after, after she uh, was on the lookout for a UK talent. Um, and he came in on the tour um, by his own admission, green as grass. Um, but even back then, when he was, what well, God, what would have been? He, he would have been his early 20s. Um, looked like a wrestler, carried himself like a wrestler, carried himself with such confidence that you knew that this guy had a future. As long as he could maintain that self-belief um, and and parlay that into, into a, you know, a great character and being able to to use that to build um, on his skills which were still sort of in its relative infancy at the time uh, but I just think everyone, everyone was so impressed with, with every aspect of him and he, he was a project and it's been great to see him improve year on year um, and eventually get to see him carry that TNA title out at Wembley um, it, you know from afar I joined in that journey with him and it was it was an absolute privilege. I've got a lot of time for Nick. I know he's he's outspoken. Um, I know he's got some interesting things to say tonight. He is he's not going to mollycoddle people. He's not going to sugarcoat things. Um, I think for he, for that reason he gets some stick online, which I don't think is necessarily warranted. Um, I think it's just important to understand that 
you know certain people have strong opinions on things and Nick's one of those guys and you know I I agree with a lot of what he says I don't agree with some of the other stuff he, he talks about often but he's a good girl he's a good guy and a good example of someone who who wants to be a successful wrestler so many nice things you said about him and then you nearly called him a good girl um, <laughs> oh well uh, the first time I ever heard of uh, of Nick was from Dixie uh, this is a a minor name drop but I was sat in the oh, sorry I was sitting use correct tense I was sitting in the Malmaison Hotel in Liverpool uh, with my good pal Simon Rothstein who was my colleague from The Sun at the time before he went to work with TNA uh, and we went and had a, uh, a glass of bubbly in the afternoon with Dixie in, uh, in Liverpool actually it might have been the first time I met Dixie I'm not sure um, but I remember her saying uh, do you know this guy Nick Aldis and actually at the time we didn't uh, and the reason that she'd heard of him was uh, that he, she'd been contacted by Nick directly with show reels or whatever it might be that you, you send off um, but also by a guy called uh, James Denton. James was the uh, the editor of uh, Fighting Spirit magazine, uh, and that's around about the time where I joined their staff as a, as a staff writer, as, as a features writer. Uh, and I know that um, James knew Nick. Uh, Nick came on board and wrote a, a feature column uh, for Fighting Spirit around about that time. Uh, and and uh, James knew Dixie, and that was a part of where the uh, the link came. Uh, and so the first time I met him. I don't know if it was the following January or the January after, but I think it was the following January. Um, and it was, yeah, as you said, it was when he joined the company, pretty much when he joined the company, and he was still writing for, for Fighting Spirit. So I had something in common with him. Uh, we knew each other via that, and it was, but it was the first time we met. But I remember it was in Manchester we met, and it was the same day that we went to watch The Wrestler. Um, so that, whatever year it was that that came out, it was, the, uh, uh, it was the January after. And I watched The Wrestler in the, I think it's the Odeon Cinema, in the print works in Manchester. Uh, what else do we have in the print? The print works is where we have our pay per view party, isn't it, Paul? It is, yeah. Walkabout print works, yeah. Very close to where the, uh, the walkabout is there. Uh, I saw the wrestler and there's about 20 wrestlers. And it was, a, it was extraordinary to watch the, uh, the film itself and then to glance to my left every now and again and watch the reactions of some professional wrestlers, some of whom I can tell you absolutely loved it and some of you I can tell absolutely hated it and thought it was a you know, real. You know, discredit to the business. It was a very polarizing reaction. I've never forgotten that. But uh, yeah, so I've known Nick sort of off and on since then. We've always, whenever there's been a, a TNA show and I've been at it, um, I've always found him very approachable, very chatty. Um, and uh, and he came over and did a media tour, didn't he? At one point, him and Mickey, when they were both with TNA, and uh, I remember we uh, did some media spots and went out for a few drinks afterwards. I've always found him very, uh, very convivial and a good guy. I think you know him a bit better than I do. I haven't seen him for for several years, and you've. Uh, kept up with him a bit more but um listen as we've said it before on this podcast um we get we like to get on people that we know because it makes the, the conversation easier but we also wouldn't have people on that we don't respect and we both think that uh, nick has come a long way have you got a sort of a favorite um nick memory or anything like that Cause I've, I've i got do one, i've got one that's in my head and i'm interested to see if it's the same as yours yeah, I do actually, um, and forgive me, I can't remember the the finer details, but it was seeing him and Samoa Joe win the tag team titles at Wembley. Okay, well, I th- well, and this might be the same because I have a, my picture is that he was with Joe when he said this, um, and so it was in Wembley, definitely in Wembley Arena. Um, and I went, there's, a, there's a lot of people that I often say that there is a moment where you suddenly believe in them. Uh, I was at an NXT show. This is NXT the first time around. 
So you know when it was the the, the, the sort of weird talent show version of NXT with the original yeah, yeah. with the original crew. So it was filmed before SmackDown, uh, and I was at one of those. And they gave them this stupid word challenge. They gave them a word, and then they had to talk about that word for 30 seconds. Do you remember that? Um, I do. I think Daniel Bryan got toothpaste, and other people got these words, and they struggled for 30 seconds. Well, they gave Wade Barrett change. or No, it's either change or wind. I forget what it was. And then he said, I'll tell you what I'm going to talk about. The wind of change that's blowing through WWE. And I went, oh, he's got it. He's got something. He was the only one that sort of took it, ran with it, and from then on, I remember there was another paper, another promo he did when he was in Nexus, when the crowd were getting to him, and he, he told everyone, he said, settle down, I've got a lot to get through. It was a brilliant way of just shutting a crowd up, and they're the two moments where I thought something of, of Wade, um, uh, Stu as he is now, and he's a contemporary of Nick's, and then the two uh, sort of knew each other, came up together at roughly the same time. Well, it's a similar sort of story, it was in Wembley, uh, and I'm very much paraphrasing here, but Nick said something along the lines of, you know, when he was he was still Magnus. He might it might have been with with um, Doug as the British Invasion, but I think he was with Joe. And he said something along the lines of, um, he went tonight. He said um, we're not. He said we're not in Her Majesty's United Kingdom. He said I don't mind the Scots, I don't mind the Welsh, I don't even mind the Irish. But tonight, this is Wembley Stadium, and this is England. And the place went absolutely ballistic. And I thought, oh, he's got it. Yeah. It, it was the same night. It was the same night. And I, I was wrong. They didn't win the tag titles that night. They were against Matt Morgan and Crimson. Okay. Um, but they, I think they were defending them or something. But I remember just being completely impressed by the whole shebang. I, that was, it was just a moment. And listen, it was, you could argue that it was against character because his TV character was a, a heel and that was very clearly a babyface promo. But it was very much knowing the arena you were in. And, you know, over the years, I can remember going to, my very first show um, live in, uh, in 96 and Owen and the Bulldog were teaming against the Godwins and that fan, those fans were way pro Godwins not interested in the fact that Davy Boy was English I've seen early other shows where Regal was working I saw Regal team with Dave Taylor um, mm-hmm. on, a, on a UK show and they were being but I think I want to say that Kane was teaming with the Boogeyman on that show <laughs> um, and they were booing Regal and, and Taylor the the cheering the English guy thing has been a, a much later project do you know what I mean when Regal gets cheered everywhere or Barrett got cheered yeah. everywhere and it didn't always happen it's a relatively recent I'm saying last seven or eight years anyway um, concept I think I think it's a little bit later than the, than, than people would really think but certainly that night in Wembley um, the, the English fans and I say English often people use English wrongly but I'm saying English on that occasion English fans wanted to cheer for, for Nick um, so I am fascinated when he comes over here uh, in the next couple of weeks. Um, we, uh, if you go, go onto his uh, Twitter, which is real Nick Aldis, I think there's a link to where you can find where where he's going to be wrestling. I know for a fact I'm not doing this off the top of my head; I haven't got it written down. But I know for a fact that he's in Bristol, he's in Mansfield, he's in Belfast, he's in Exmouth, a couple of other places along the way. Um, so. Uh, it's a good chance to get along and see him in the next couple of weeks while he's uh, over here on a on a little tour, the All This Crusade, as it's called. Um, and so certainly on that night in, in TNA, those people wanted to see him. And uh, uh, if you're still a fan, you can get along and see him. But I'm interested to see um, what he'll be like in terms of uh, getting the crowd on his side because he's going to be an Englishman wrestling other Englishman or an Englishman wrestling a, a Northern Irishman in Belfast, I believe. So I wouldn't have thought it was going to be a natural thing that he's going to necessarily be the hero. 
but he's more than adept at playing the uh, the villainous character. So um, if you get a chance to get along and see him, uh, please do. Um, and just before we uh, go to the interview, Paul, any uh, any more words on the lead-in? Uh, no, I'm just looking. You know, I'm looking forward to speaking to him. It's going to be a very different interview to, than we've done in the past. Um, I don't think it's going to be. You know, it's going to it might ruffle some feathers. Who knows? Let's see. Let's see, indeed. Let's uh, let's dial get him on those, the line. Let's get dial him those on. buttons and bring him on. So joining us now on the line, we're very happy to say is the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. It's Nick Aldis. Nick, how are you doing? I'm very well, Rob. Good to hear from you. And, uh, and to hear from you as well, representing England all over the world as the uh, as the champion, um, you must be uh, must be a very proud thing for you to be coming over here again and uh, and showing off that ten pounds of gold, sir. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I like I always try to find some excuse to come over, and obviously, the, you know, the business is is healthy here, so it's pretty easy to line up some work, so I get a chance to come and see the folks, and the brothers and sisters, and everything like that, and. Um, uh, we're pleasantly surprised at, at how well received the uh, the NWA stuff has been here. You know, given the fact that obviously the NWA wasn't um, you know a strong brand here in the UK, but I think people just now through things like the WWE Network and just the overall sort of culture of appreciating the history and legacy of of the business in general, I think there's just a, an overall appetite for you know the legacy of the belt and and um, you know all the, the the legends that have held it. And I think that people understand that. You know, at, at this at this point in the business, there's not that many things that have this much history, so it's quite it's quite a cool thing. It's quite a cool spot to be in. It's interesting that um, the YouTube channel, uh, YouTube channel in particular, YouTube.com/nwa, um, is very focused on the belt itself. It's even called the Ten Pound of Gold. I mentioned it earlier on, and it's um, I, I really I'm really um, interested in you know that as a real high point of the branding is about the champion. You know, there's often talk about you know the the brand as a whole, but you're going right after the belt and the champ itself. I love that as a, as a focal point. Yeah, I think that um, you know it's 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 not in a way we've we've tried to sort of articulate it in different ways into a nice soundbite, and I think the closest thing we get to is is to is to say a a, a modern approach to traditional values. You know, right. which is like you know that obviously we're 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 in a a realm now of sports entertainment and it's you know you can have you can see all kinds of stuff um but i think there was this there was gotten um approach which was that if you if you make the whole thing about the the, the prestige of the championship and the chase and the and the and the pride that people have in holding it and 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 then that that continuous quest to to for that that prize you create value in that prize and that and and that and obviously Going back to what I said before, there's no other belt that's in in current circulation that has that much history where you show old archive footage of, you know, Flair and even going back as far as Luthez and Dusty, you know, Dusty and Harley and the Funks and you know Jack Briscoe. It's like it's it's just I think people see that and they really start to think, well, it's really cool that it goes all the way to today and I can see that that championship belt. It feels to me that if people uh, on any kind of TV show, whether it's wrestling or it's any entertainment, um, talk about something as if it's really important to the viewers. It becomes really important. So even if you go to something like Game of Thrones, where they talk about who's going to be in the Iron Chair or, or the Iron Throne, or you know Lord of the Rings, where they're after the ring. If that's the thing that the characters are focused on, then it's going to be believable. And I've been really taken by 
the everything so far, which is uh, um, if you have, if people haven't seen the YouTube channel, please go and have a look at it really quickly and just uh, get yourself familiar with it because it's a, it's a very different presentation. So, um, is it nice to be? Obviously, it's going to be nice to be you know the person that's given that chance because it's kind of a, a rebrand of, of of sorts, and you're the person in the chair. Yeah, it's um, it's a it, it's a strange situation because obviously when when I was contacted last year by by Dave and and Billy about the NWA, I was I was aware that they had. You know that Billy had bought the, you know the the company or the the brand or whatever it really was. No one was really sure what he had bought at that point, and um, and I was curious, but didn't you know it was was just sort of doing my own thing. And then when they contacted me, and Billy very excitedly explained his his approach and his you know and his idea for it. I just uh, I immediately just felt like this was totally in line with with the way I think that I want to present a product and um, you know I've said this before in other interviews but the 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 idea of going more about creating value and compelling content rather than just here's a ring here's some matches you know here's some here's some epic moves and you know this is awesome and blah 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 like that, that that's that's not appealing to me it's low-hanging fruit it's being done everywhere like well, you're not going to turn any heads like that, and in fact, you know numbers and metrics will show you that it's doing the opposite in the overall fan base of the wrestling business. And I, I I couldn't agree more to be honest, Nick. And you know we've known each other for a lot of years now, going back to the TNA days. And I remember when when your name was discussed when you first started there. And I remember the one thing that everyone always used to sort of praise you for, um, aside from you know the stuff that went on in the ring, was was your presentation um, both on screen and off and about how you carried yourself like a professional wrestler. There's always that, well, that famous might, that, might, that might swing both ways. That's been a blessing and a curse in my career, Paul. <laughs> I, I, I know what you mean, but I, I, te- I, I definitely think of it as a positive, um, as I'm sure most do. But there's that famous adage about, you know, I don't know who to attribute to. I don't know who said it first, but it was all about how you've got to turn heads in an airport, and if you're not doing that, then you're doing something wrong. And yeah. I dare say, you know, you're someone who subscribes to that theory quite quite significantly. Do you think that's an important part of your role as a wrestler, an important part of your presentation, to be sort of larger than life and, you know, in inverted commas, you know, better than the guy on the street? Um, sure. You know, if anyone could be a wrestler, then we'd all be wrestlers, wouldn't we? Yeah, and well, look, um, you know, I, I, I don't. It's, it's really, it's, it's tempting nowadays, and it's so, it's, it's sort of irritating when you do these things because people are always sort of looking to take an excerpt of what you say and, and, and jump all over it and turn it into something, or say, oh, he's throwing shade at so and so, you know. And, and look, I, I don't, I don't give a shit about anybody else. Like, you know, if someone else is doing something and, it's, and, it, and it works, like with their fan base or with a certain thing and it's helping them make money, then more power to them. I just I just think back to the people that made me want to get into the business and none of them look like my next door neighbor, you know? Yep. And and I think that when, despite the fact what, when, you know, you hear these <laughs> ridiculous statements that get made by sort of so-called experts and then they say, oh, wrestling's better than ever. And you know, and, and, and you think, well, okay, if I take 100 people on the street and say, give me the, you know, name me five pro wrestlers, the chances are most of those guys are going to be people who aren't wrestling today. They're going to be people who were, you know, it's probably going to be Hogan, 
you know, Steve Austin, Rock, obviously, is probably the biggest star in the world now. Um, you know, and then then could be, and then you know, take your pick between maybe a dozen other guys. But the chances are, like, when you really think about it, you know, the Mount Rushmore. People always have this this conversation. Oh, the Mount, who's on your Mount Rushmore, right? Uh, not a single one of my Mount Rushmore is is you know just a sort of happy-go-lucky guy or a guy who who acts like a mark. You know, or who, or so, or who openly admits to being a mark, or, or even worse, so sort of. He said, "Oh yeah, I used to be a smart mark, and you know, I have all these you know newsletters and blah blah." blah. Like that's just, uh, I, that's that that's not the guy that made me want to get into the business, and I, I just have to go by by that as my measuring stick. I think that um, I'll tell you something I found very interesting was when the the, uh, the the they did the thirty for thirty on Ric Flair on ESPN. It was very well received. It was brilliantly done, yeah. and um, and Rory Karp, who, who did that, has actually, you know, praised us at the NWA for what we've been doing, and that was very valuable for us because obviously there were guys like Corny and stuff who were on there saying things like, "Oh, you know, the, the WWF was like the Harlem Globetrotters, and the NWA was like the Boston Celtics," you know, and it was sort of making that comparison. But there was something interesting there to me where um, the uh, the girl from ESPN and I forget her name, but she's you know quite actively she's sort of a, a fan of wrestling, but but what I call like a um, a good fan, like in the sense of that she she's not she's not a, a fanatic or she's not a, a sort of a subculture fan. She's she she just likes it just the same way that I like UFC. I don't watch every single thing, and I certainly don't pretend to be an expert on it, right? But um, she said something very interesting when she was describing Flair. She said, "I think most of us are looking for someone who doesn't look like us, who dresses differently, who talks differently, who presents themselves as." You know, bigger than life. And Mickey and I were watching that show, and we looked at each other and just went like, "Yeah." She basically just described in a nutshell where we're all going wrong, <laughs> you know, today, which is that well, that that commitment to go. You know, it's. You, I mean, look, I I have a thick skin, and you know this, Paul. That you know you've been around, you've heard internal conversations, like. Not everybody gets it, and when it comes to me, or you know, it's, it's you know, that's that's the thing is it's like you have to leave yourself open to that heat because you have to believe to a certain degree that you you are, you know, as as good as you profess to be because if you're not, the people will see right through it. And I'm not talking about look the the fanatics who who you know who are writing reviews and blogging and all this stuff like they 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 that's that's a point that's a pointless person to go after they're going to be there whatever right the, yep. the the people i'm talking about are the the ones who use if you go back and look at monday nitro and look at raw in the night in the in the 90s the guy like the, those guys aren't in the audience anymore they guys rowdy beer drinking they brought their girls with them like they were there just to have fun they could have easily have gone to nascar they could have gone to a sports game they could have gone to a concert they were, they chose to go to wrestling because they thought that, you know because they thought they always have a good time those are the guys we aren't getting, and the reason we aren't getting them is because to 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 appreciate the product for the most part that's being put out today, you have to be really deeply invested in it, and that's isolating. That's just that's you know that's a subculture. It's it's more you know it's sure. more like a club, and 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 less like a, a an attraction. Well, I know what you mean exactly. I, a few years ago, when with Sky Atlantic excuse this sort of tangent when Sky Atlantic first came onto television and all you heard about online everywhere was Mad Men 
and about how right. popular the show was. Mad Men this, Mad Men that. When you actually looked into the viewing figures, in the UK there was less than 20,000 people watching each episode. And it was just absolutely nothing. And I think it's quite easy when we're, you know, we've got all this social media and all this echo chamber of wrestling to yeah. just think that everything's much bigger than it is because it's all we're hearing bounce back to us. But really, you, you, you pop outside of that bubble, you know, you go to your guy on the street and I think you're absolutely right. You know, you the point you made about what wrestlers can you name nowadays, they're going to go Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Undertaker. They might reach right. to Brock Lesnar and then right. they're going to be twiddling their thumbs. Right. And that that... And it's interesting you make that point because I was having this conversation the other day with someone where, uh, you know, obviously, like, it, it's, a, it's a question that gets asked me all the time. Like, oh, what do you think the downfall of TNA was? Like, well, hey, how long have you got? You know, <laughs> but it's, it's like, but I'll, I'll tell you this. I, I remember specifically saying to, you know, to Dixie uh, around the sort of 2013 mark. It had to be around then because it was when I had to be sort of had to have enough enough pull to sort of feel comfortable make you know stating my opinion on it but i remember saying you, you we're we're putting way too much emphasis on twitter as a barometer of popularity and i don't think it's accurate i don't think it's i don't think it's an accurate representation of what people are saying of what people are thinking and she's like oh no no it's a, and i'll tell you what it is right it's laziness because it's so much easier to just sit in your office and look at Twitter and they have it all written out for you and they've got fancy graphs and pie charts and this fancy analytics and this and that and unless you really understand that stuff and really delve you know delve deep and 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 have a, a purpose for identifying like you know where you're going with those analytics and those numbers it's just a way for someone else to do the, the work for you and for, and for you to just pretend that what you're doing is landing with the with the overall audience because I'll tell you, and this is somewhere where I've suffered because my fans, they're not those guys. They're not those ones who are like, you know, inhabiting the, the, the message boards and the social media all day. They've got better things to do. But I will say this, especially when I come back to the UK, I get people who stop me all the time that's, that'll say, oh, I, I used to watch that show, but I don't watch it anymore. You know, no, not since you left and this person left and that person left. I don't watch it anymore. You know, uh, and that's, that's the difference but you know it's so much easier to just point at at, at Twitter and be like oh see you know look how look how crazy look at it, this is the one it's blowing up Twitter L listen nothing's blowing up Twitter okay like Kim Kardashian <laughs> could you know can, take a, can put a picture of a bare ass on there and like that's that's like those those numbers you know they dwarf anything that like that pro wrestling does right and it's like the, you know, there's this idea it's just it's it's just a way to just feed a false narrative and laziness and and I, that was what led to the downfall in my opinion and i think that it's i think it's happening you know in other places too on multiple levels yeah certainly the concept of the um you know the diff different sort of demographics that anything will go after is a you're absolutely right. If you live in a bubble and you, you, all of your mates are similar to you, if they're if they like football, they don't like football, they vote Labour, they vote Conservative, you're, you're generally going to be around the same group of people, and they'll reinforce right. your views, won't they? And so, yeah, I think it's a, it's a really it's good point. A it's a false narrative of popularity, and that's and it's interesting you bring up the news thing because I was having this conversation with my parents today about you know American news media and just saying like oh, it's just such a, it's just it's not news, it's a circus, you know, it's just it's just entertainment because it's like you know. <laughs> There is no there is no news outlet in America that you can trust to be okay. What's happening in the world? Everything's an opinion, you know. Uh, and so, so all that happens is you're right. Like everyone's just living in their in their sort of you know their sort of little fiefdoms where they're like 
I agree with everything that this person says, and he agrees with everything I say, and we're right. You know, everything's isn't everything great, and this, you know, this is the best thing going today. You know, so what? That only only a few, you know, like a few hundred thousand people are watching it, or whatever. Like this is better than ever. It's awesome. You know, and it's um, you know, it's a, I, I, I don't know how you fix it, but I do know that you have to have that awareness. I think, and I think you also have to just. What it, what it comes down to, I think, is courage. I think people watching watching a TV show, and look, what will never change is that there's always going to be someone new watching a product every day. At some somewhere in the world, someone is going to watch the product that's never watched it before at some point. And to me, I always that's that's the person I'm thinking of always. I'm thinking of the person that's never seen it before when they watch. I want you know, I want them to be able to see what I'm doing and be like, oh, that guy's the shit. You know what I mean? He's he's uh, he's he's a somebody like Mickey and I went to um, you know before we flew out we went we went and got we got uh, brunch and and the the waitress didn't know who we were but she came over to us and just said like I don't know who you guys are but you're obviously somebody you know <laughs> to, you know to us and then we were just sort of laughing you know and she was like God, you know just that you know, we don't get a lot of people like you in here kind of thing and it was you know obviously it was very complimentary and obviously some of it's just to do with our appearance but it's like but it's more than that and. And uh, and I you know that happens to you know to, to both of us you know quite a fair bit where it's like are you an actor or are you an athlete a football player you know what are you, you know what are you guys sort of thing like we know you you must be something. Who was the, that's, who, sorry Paul? Who was that's the, a fair the, minute. Who was the first person you can remember thinking that of? It doesn't have to be a wrestler. It could be a, a sports star. It could be a um, uh, an actor or anything like that. But you would have sat at home at whatever age and looked at the TV and gone, I want to be that guy. Ooh. Um, in terms of like, like I want to be that guy or maybe uh, not I want to maybe not as an ambition but it would be cool to be that guy because I think we've all got you know there's always, always uh, someone who does him Zach Morris safe by the belt oh yeah cool yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good choice <laughs> I, I can understand it because um, what I'm going back to is it's something you said about um, uh, you know a, a couple of answers ago where you were talking about um, how how you can you know aspire to be someone and how you can dress and, and all that kind of thing from what the uh the person from ESPN said, um, I once went to, this is a strange segue on a wrestling show, but I once went to a, a seminar from um, David Putnam, the, the film director, a film producer who did uh, Bugsy Malone and the Killing Fields and Chariots of Fire and those sorts of things, and someone asked a question, it was a Q&A, and someone asked the question, why are there so few ordinary looking or ugly people in films, why is it all good looking you know, stars and whatever, and he basically said, you might not realise it, but when you're watching a film, you are putting yourself in the position of the hero or the heroine. You want to be those right. people. You stick a right. plug ugly ordinary bloke at the front. You don't want to be that guy. That that was kind right. of what he was getting at. And I think you know yeah. that is going right back to what you were saying before. That's a that's a brilliant point because all the things that resonated with me as a as a young kid was absolutely that I was absolutely living vicariously through those people. You know, growing up in a you know a, you know very ordinary middle class you know sort of boring village in rural Norfolk. You know, like. The, the idea of being something cool and larger than life was, you know, that's what struck me. It wasn't wasn't this idea of being like, oh yeah, I'm going to be this, you know, leader of the nerds and I'll be a, I'll be the super nerd, you know, like a, that 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 wasn't, you know, it, I'll t- there's a, there's a there's a real culture now of you you you've got to be you you've got to be you can't be extraordinary. You've got to be you know, just got to be the top end of ordinary. You know, like it's like you got you. You can be good, but you can't be too good. Otherwise, you're you know you're taking the piss. 
and like yeah. I, I I don't adhere to that. I don't you know it, it. I don't care if it pisses people off or it polarizes people. Look at the look at look at the um the the, the, the sort of top pushed sort of two you know two guys of the last sort of few years in WWE, and they're both completely polarizing, and that's and that's not that's not through their you know it's not really through any fault of their own. You know it's 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 just it's just this idea that you know now unfortunately the fan base that is left because they've been catered to too much now they're spoiled entitled and they think it should be a la carte wrestling just the way they like it and no one else should be allowed to have an opinion and whatever we think is the most important thing because we watch more wrestling than everyone else so that means my dollar is worth more guess what no it's not you know your dollar is worth the same amount and in fact hey if i'm a dad and i want and my two kids want to come and watch because they want to see john cena and now they don't want and now i don't want to bring them back because they're surrounded by a bunch of grown ass men chanting like you suck and you know and all this other stuff and now like my kids are upset guess what we our three tickets cost more than your one ticket so actually you're 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 having a negative effect now on our bottom line Great point and that's the you know it's business at the end of the day and the problem is is that like these guys again they live in their little bubbles okay and they don't want they they don't they they fear anything that challenges their belief system because they, they, they've they've dedicated so much of their time to it that like when when they're faced with the with the reality from someone who actually had the courage to get into the business that they didn't have the courage to get into and actually create something and actually put themselves out there and put themselves under scrutiny it 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 destroys their confidence and the only thing they can do is all rally together and try and oust those people and it sucks and it's a horrible place to be and we're trying to get away from it with the nwa well and you can see that just just from the way things are presented you know i was watching before we before we picked up the phone with you i was watching the um the build up and the start i haven't got all the way through it but, but the match with james ellsworth that you guys are presenting and to me that's classic classic pro wrestling you know you're the big heel champion he's the he's the plucky challenger and you know, with the, with all the respect in the world, you're not going to go out there and put on, you know, one of these five star matches in 20 minutes with 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 a in a in a situation like that. But what you are going to do is create compelling television that's going right. to get people to watch and get a hook. And to me, it's a story. It's a story exactly. It's like watching a movie. It's not, you know, I don't go. I I went to watch Black Panther today, and I'm not there critiquing the fight scenes. Um, blow by blow to decide whether it was right. you know technically good i'm deciding whether the film grabbed my attention moved me make, made me laugh whatever right did it make you feel something exactly and that's the overall I said, package right i said, I said jay leno said this funny thing he's talking about he was talking about the movie gravity and he said you know how oh, you get these nerds that they say like well technically the uh the debris was heading in the wrong direction. He's like, hey, how about this? The astronauts were George Clooney and Sandra Bullock. <laughs> <laughs> There you, that? you know, there you like, go. That's not, that's not real either. But hey, you know, try suspending disbelief. You know what I mean? Like, what? I, I think about these guys sometimes. I think, God, you, your lives must be so unfulfilling. You know, like to just to just psychoanalyze something so ridiculous. You know, like like I, I'm totally comfortable in, in in how ridiculous I can be, and 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 how like that's you have to get to that point where you're able to embrace the 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 wackiness and silliness of what we do and and own it and be like yeah get a good look you know like the, I, I want i want people to feel like they, they they got their money's worth and they paid a ticket to see a show not not to see like some weird club you know yeah like uh, well, to me if if all you if, if you went to see a, a movie and they basically just half-assed through all the acting and all the 
the production values and all the story to get to the fight scene. And it was just the fight scene, but you could, you could see like the boom camera in the background, you know what I mean? And you could see the occasional like, you know, techie and stuff like fiddling around with wires and stuff while these guys are doing the fight scene. But you went, oh my God, that fight was so amazing. You know, you'd be like, ah, that wasn't, I didn't really, I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't really uh, fill up all my cups there. You know what I mean? Like, uh, they, uh, but that's, that's the sort of approach now where it's like, well, don't, don't really worry about the overall presentation or the, the suspension of disbelief or anything else. It, it's just about the, the execution of this exhibition. And to me, it's like, and, and what's really, what's really worse is, is this Orwellian sort of approach they've had to sort of shutting down any of that criticism, which is to basically say anyone who, who dares to utter anything to do with the word realism or realistic or, you know, suspension of disbelief, they, these guys all rally together and go, oh, you, you, it's evolved. You know, you just haven't moved with the times. <laughs> it hasn't evolved. I mean, that shit, it's devolved. Like you, you're, you're being lazy by not doing that because that's the hard part. The hard part is making people feel something. Yeah, well, I, I completely agree. Rob and I are both old school because, frankly, we're both really bloody old. Um, and, you know, we, we, we grew up on all on this wrestling. I, I remember distinctly the first act I saw on a TV screen was the Legion of Doom. Um, and they, you know, they wouldn't go down particularly well today either. But they those guys made me feel. And, and talking about the old older generation... Hang on, hang on you know, Paul, sorry. No, they, yes, they would. They would because they, they yeah. had they had enough about them that they would have got part. If there's if there's anything like the Legion of Doom these days, maybe just because he happens to be with them. But Paul Ellering is with the Authors of Pain. They're not all that different to the Legion of Doom in terms of their you know hard hitting stuff. Obviously the LOD were better, but I'm saying that I think people would accept an LOD because they are, as you know, Nick's just been talking about this larger than life entity with the spikes and the face paint and the kick ass style. They absolutely would. If you tried to recreate them now. <laughs> attention then that wouldn't because it's just it's not you're just you're, you're trying to do something derivative i think that's the, that's the point i would make sorry to cut you off mate. you carry on but let, let me use this as an example I, I i don't know how many people would have thought hey you know what you know it'd be a really great move for billy corgan when he bites the nwa to run with this 53 year old school teacher from texas you know that's that's the that's gonna that's that's the that's gonna get people talking but it did because they embraced it instead of instead of just sort of pretending it was pretending he was someone else they embraced the fact that Tim Storm was a 53 year old school teacher and when they met Scott this personality from him they went god this guy's so compelling like what an original story to tell and then of course to contrast him with me a guy who got some breaks you know and a guy who took some you know took some opportunities and is, and is brash and isn't afraid to you know to, to, to state his opinion that's the story is you know the story is told there and it's like like that's the to me um we, what we're trying to get back is the authenticity of the business you know which is which might sound like a silly thing to say about you know to, to sort of someone on the street when you talk about pro wrestling right but but the, the 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 characters that resonated they all brought something very authentic you know flair brought something very authentic randy savage god like he's you know his that voice he, he used that voice in real life. So when you met him, hey, brother, you know, and then suddenly it's like, oh, wow, you know, if you've ever met Jake the Snake Roberts, like he is bringing something very authentic to that delivery because when you meet him in real life, you realize, like, God, this dude is like another level. You know, this is he's so cerebral. And, and that's the, I think that for me, you know, perhaps that's something that, that's similar in the sense that when people meet me, they sort of go, some of them go like, cool, yeah, he's... Uh, you know, I don't really know what to make of him right away, you know. 
like I had this, this this door come busted open. You know, he was like burying me on the show with Billy and stuff. And he's like, oh yeah, I did an interview with him, and then I and then I went to the and then I went to see him later on in the restaurant, and he just blew me off. And I well, guess what? I'm not a male escort. <laughs> okay, like that's the they, now they now they expect you to be a male escort. Like now now you've got now you've got to like hang out with them and talk to them about wrestling and and then and like this is a this is a this really upsets me. Is this this thing that the a lot of these fans do now? Or they they bribe you, you know, like they, they basically hold a gun to your head and go, hey, you're going to be friends with me tonight and you're going to hang out with me. Otherwise, I'm going to go on Twitter and tell everyone you're a asshole in real life and you don't appreciate your fans. And I'm going to tag your boss in it. I'm going to tag the company in it. I used to, how many people over the years at, at the Orlando Ale House would go, I'm going to tell Dixie what you said. I'd be like, tell her. Go ahead and tell her. I don't care. She won't care either. Nope. You know why? Because when I walk out there tomorrow on the ramp, like, no one's going to be like, "Hey, come and have a drink with me," you know. Like, I'm there to to, to portray a character, be a performer. Okay, like I, I'm not a male escort, right? Like, what I do on my time is my time. Well, okay, that, that that's, that's that a comes, perfect example of what I'm talking about. And that comes right back to the original point. You know, if you go back to the lineage of that title you you're holding now, you know, if you go back to the 1980s and and someone like a Ric Flair or a Harley Race fans back then wouldn't have dreamed of taking those liberties or crossing that line because they understood yeah can you imagine yeah. saying that to Harley Race you imagine you, going up to Harley Race and saying like I wonder what I wonder what Sam Muckton is going to think when I tell him nothing <laughs> far could, Harley's could like well, I'll get, hey, you want a story I'll give you a story wham you yeah. know like and, and that would have been the end of it but and they I, would never even done it in the first place because they held him in higher regard because the guys presented themselves in higher regard the problem is is that uh, it's it, it's never the fans' fault. It's the boys' fault. Like there's any time you have this thing, it's because there's too many of the guys who have who have taken the taken the shortcuts to a, to a, a, a supposed sort of popularity, which is really a fleet popularity when you do it that way. Because there's a difference between popularity and stardom, you know. And popularity is like if you go to the, if you, especially when you wrestle in the same place all the time, like the impact zone and stuff. You know, look, I'm not saying you have to go around and be mean to people. You know, like I never did that, but I, but it's like, I, I, I ain't got time for it. And it's like, and ultimately, you you walk through the curtain, you present an image of yourself, and that image has to be something that makes people talk, it has to push people's buttons one way or another. And some of us have to have the courage to push people's buttons in a negative way. And believe me, you know this as well as I do. But like, I am not afraid to do that. I know that well. I know that well. And it's and it's like you say. It's, I, I think that quote you you put in just then there's a difference between popularity and stardom i've never heard it put like that but it's so true and you could you could apply it to so many different situations now um and i just think i think it's it's such a distinction that let me let me throw this i've just while while i was just thinking about this let me throw this curveball at you this is completely off but it's completely in a different direction but you know we're we're sitting here in 2018 and the billy corgan owned nwa has a British world's champion who is leading the crusade to, to, to bring back the prestige and honor of the, of the championship. And I would dare to say that it's working quite well, given the fact that being approached by so many people for interviews and bookings and everything else. How interesting is it that in this, this in 2018, we've got a Brit as the NWA world's champion, uh, you know, at this, the resurgence of this iconic brand that dominated the wrestling landscape in the 1970s while ITV is doing the same thing with World of Sport now can you imagine if 
somehow those two brands were able to do something together and coexist that would be history making wouldn't you agree I think there might be some mileage in that yes without sort of speaking too far out of turn we've just we've just planted a seed there boys (laughs) (laughs) we'll we'll, we'll put a pin in that one for a few weeks where a Brit is the NWA champion at this point these two iconic brands that have never that have never that, that, that dominated their their respective countries in the in the 1970s and now you know now being resurrected in the modern era and a Brit holds the NWA championship what an interesting situation to be continued <laughs> as I heard a great man once say sometimes leave the dots leave the dots <laughs> on that note Nick tell us tell us about what you're doing while you're over here in the UK tell us about the uh, Aldis Crusade and its UK well, stop what's what's the what's the details for that well it happened very organically um, you know the the the, the, the the NWA momentum has been very, very fun to be a part of. The wave just keeps, just keeps getting bigger, and and um, so as a result, there was my bookings were sort of were, were filling up, and um, so I I had a chunk in the UK, and then basically we had a had an agreement with with uh, with NWA where I would basically let them know about what I had coming up, and then if they wanted to try and make an NWA title match, you know, they would contact them and. And basically, once once I won the NWA title, every single one of these promoters then were like, "Oh, we'd love to make an NWA title match. That'd be so cool." And so, you know, so it, it went from being a thing where it's like, "Well, you know, we think maybe every now and then they'll do it." To we said, "Why don't we just make them all? Why don't we, just, we let's just let's you know let's let's do it let's do it the right way. Let's be a traveling world champion and go all over the world facing. You know, we have to approve the challenges." Um, but you know the promoters that we've worked with so far have been you know very forthcoming and very professional, and they you know basically present who they think is a, a worthy challenger, and and so you know and it just grew and grew and grew, and now we're you know we're, we're what in two months into this into the new year, and I've already got four continents on the books you know for with with title defenses and you know uh, twenty to thirty you know unique challenges for the title and all sorts of different stuff. And it's it's growing all the time. I just added some more dates today in Tennessee. Um, you know, we, we, I'm going to Australia in July, and so it's you know, and, and they're and they're coming in all shapes and sizes. And here here's me, you know, the unafraid, uh, you know, sort of heat seeker going into all these different enemy territories. You know, being faced with this you know adversity and this heat, and 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 taking on their best guy. Like I'm facing Tommy Dreamer at the, you know, at the ECW arena, and. And he's challenging for the title, and you know I'm going all, all sorts. But I'm, I'm facing Colt Cabana in China. I mean, like we've and 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 Ellsworth was just the first step. An opportunity presented itself, and we said, well, that might you know that will turn some heads. All we're trying to do is create compelling content. That's it. You know, we're we're not. I love watching all these people sort of microanalyze every single move. Like, what? Why? Why are they making this move? Why are they going with this? It's like we're not going with anything, guy. It's just one. It's one thing one show one night it's one piece of content and you watched so we achieved it you know and now and now we're moving on to the next thing like tomorrow night it's bram okay and if you if you want my opinion out of everybody i'm face i've got lined up so far he's the best guy okay and he absolutely represents everything that a world's champion should be so you know especially a challenger for the world's championship right you want he's the most untapped piece of talent for business like and and so you know, then next week I've got 
gosh, like David Starr. I'm going, you know, I'm, I'm, it's like I've got guys from the US, I've got guys from the UK, I've got, I'm going to uh, Belfast next week and wrestling uh, an Irish guy. It's like, we, it's, it's building and we're, and people are getting with it because they're enjoying and really getting a kick out of that old school traveling world champion going to all these different places to face their best guys. And where, where can people go and find the information about where to see you, Nick, while you're over here for the two weeks? Well, uh, anything you, you want to find out about those stuff is always best to go to my um, my Twitter or my Facebook, which are both at Real Nick Aldis, or my Instagram is at Nick Aldis. Um, and then the NWA stuff, uh, for the most part, it's, it's all at NWA. So you can, you know, you, they have they have those on, on all the major platforms. And, uh, you know, original content is being uploaded all the time at, at the YouTube channel and the subscribers are growing and... and you know, I know that for some people it's like it's it's a mystery. You know, what are what are they doing, and what's their what's their next move? What are they trying to? What's their what's their game plan here? The, the game plan is nothing right now. We're we're attempting to create value in the brand and in the and in the world's championship and create compelling content. And most of it's like less than ten minutes because we want to make sure that people actually invest in it and aren't. We're not asking you know we're not we're not asking you to give us a ton of your time yet. We're asking you to trust us and then for the most part all you got to do is see the feedback and it's like I'm coming back I'm getting more of this oh I didn't really know what this was at first I didn't really I didn't really have high hopes for this but now I'm hooked and that's that's the business we're in now and that's what's going to take us to the next level I'm sure well it's I looked at one of those videos earlier on which was uh, I think was starred as the the oldest address in which you were talking about who you are and what your what your intentions are and, and, and that kind of thing and, and it led into this uh, you know the, um, the the crusade that you're on um, it really I was really fascinated by the the verbiage and how you put it across because I, I put myself in two different positions I thought if someone wanted to be on your side it came across as a as a heroic statement of intent and if someone right. wanted to be against you it could sound like a cocky conceited that thinks he's better than everybody and I thought what a great line to take because someone is going to come down one side or another of that fence and it strikes me that when you're going to turn up in someone's uh, you know someone's arena you're almost certainly going to be going against the hometown guy or the or the, the promotions guy so they're going to have already an invested you know vested interest in that guy right. so you'll be able to play you know the other side of the fence so I mean was that an, was that an intentional thing I assume it was and, and are you looking forward to have that challenge of, of all those matches yeah, well, look, we live in a we live in a polarized culture now, you know, and so rather than try to go against the grain of being like everybody, please love me, you know, which is like people see through that shit. They just see through it. That's that's what I, you know, Paul, you talked about that that post I made. I just said that as a joke, but it's but it's you know it's it's thinly veiled realism in the sense of like there's so many guys you can just you can just feel it in everything they put out. They're just begging for people to love them, and it's and it just doesn't, you know. It doesn't work like that, you know. When you go out and you, and, uh, I mean, look, I'm married now, but look, I had game back in the day, okay. So like, <laughs> you, you, like you, you know how you get girls, you don't, you don't sell for them, right? All these other guys are trying and trying, and then they eventually they're like, why isn't that guy trying? Like, why is it like, why does he not care whether I'm interested in him or not? And suddenly they're like, hey, you, and that's it. It's like people are people are drawn to winners, and they're drawn to people who present themselves in a in a manner that that presents them as a higher level than average. Like that's just natural selection that will never change. What, um, you know, what, what, what's unique now is that I am embracing the fact that we have a polarized culture for everyone. Like you said, Oh, 
I vote this, I'm conservative, I'm liberal, I'm this, I'm that, you know, it's like, okay, great, well, and, and to your point, yes, when I go to somebody's promotion, I face their, you know, their, their promotions top guy or local guy or whatever it may be, on that night I might be a villain, but people watching may end up resonating with me and being like, you know, identifying with that struggle and identifying with what I'm saying, or guess what, there's a lot of fans who we've lost, who are you know, who who may just be on the periphery, just 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 hoping that something comes along that that sort of touches them again because they don't like what they're seeing now, and they wish that they could get, they could sink their teeth into again, and they're going to see this and start going, finally, yes, you know, something for me, right? Because one of the things I said when when I talked to to Billy and Dave about NWA was I said, look, if you guys are just going to get into the business of of uh, you know dream match, you know. High flyer number one versus high flyer number two, and it's going to be a dream match. And oh my god, this is awesome! This is awesome. Like, I'm out because that that pool is so crowded, and that audience base is so so you know is already so exhausted and and you know so capitalized on. There's no money to be made there. It's not a it's not a viable place to be. And I see all these other new things popping up, and they're all just jumping in that. They're all just busy jumping in that same mosh pit, you know, and going like. Because because they, because everything's so short term, they're just going for that short term. Like you know, they, they, they're just terrified of anyone burying what they're doing like right off the bat. So they just they take this low hanging fruit and go like, this guy versus that guy. And you all know who these guys are, who I'm referring to, you know. And it's like I said, if that's what we're doing, then I'm out. And they're like, Billy just said, now I know that you're the, you're the right guy because <laughs> absolutely the opposite of that, you know. And and. Look, uh, the, the the proof is in the pudding. You guys weren't, you guys didn't contact me to talk about global force wrestling, okay? Right. Let's let's call it. Fair point. Fair point. Yeah, quite right. right. You know, and so it's and I said the same thing to Wade Keller last week. I said the same thing to to PWI. It's like you guys contacted me, okay? So you tell me because they're going, well, what what's the deal? Like, what's happening? It's like I don't know. You tell me because you're 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 the ones interested. So mm-hmm. we're doing something right. I, I completely agree. Yeah, I you know, the, the last time I was interested in the NWA was when I picked up an album, you know, 10 years ago. Um, and yeah, suddenly I'm looking at it now with you and Billy involved. And I think, okay, I'll give this a shot. I think you have to, you have to also understand what a huge role Dave Lagana has in all this. It's, it's his product. He's really the, you know, the, the main operator of all of this. It's, you know, it's, he's, he, he's, he, he has got a great track record. I remember, you know, I mean, the privilege of sitting with Dave in Manchester for about an hour and a half a few years ago, and just he was he was just so passionate about telling us what his vision was for what was happening in TNA at the time. I just remember I barely got a word in in the 90 minutes, which is very unlike me, and um, and I was just fascinated. The guy, the guy clearly is someone who deserves a big platform. Well, and we've got an interesting brain trust here. You know, the difference is is that there's no there's no high power executive. There's no there's no John Gaburik coming in here with like who who doesn't know what the hell he's doing and going like, <laughs> all right, we're gonna we're gonna push we're gonna push this person in front of a train track and everyone going like that that sounds like a dumb idea. No, we're gonna do it anyway. I saw it on I saw it on House of Cards. It's gonna be awesome. You know, it doesn't work like that here. Like every like look at the look at the walks of life you're talking about. Like between like Billy and Dave and then like the other people in the in the in the team and myself and I was like. It's so diverse, and everyone has their 
opinions and their passions. But but the one thing that's that's true though is everyone has the same goal and desire, which is to create something that that makes people feel something again in pro wrestling and not just watch something. Well, you know, Dave's credentials go from being a an ECW fan who's worked in WWE, TNA, and Ring of Honor, that's ticking pretty much every box. And from, for someone like Billy, I mean, as literally as we speak today, when we're recording this on the Thursday, um, Smashing Pumpkins reunion tour starting in July, I believe. So he's a busy boy on another front, but, you know, it, they've still got, you know, that, that huge global reach. If there's someone that's going to understand about, you know, global interest and stuff, it, it's someone like him, I would have thought. Well, and, and look, the... I'll tell you this for nothing from from the you know the, the the amount I've been exposed to him now from working with him so closely is that that man's success is not by accident. Okay, like he obviously yes he's a you know has a has a tremendous gift for for songwriting and you know music and everything, but his business acumen is nothing to be sniffed at, and that's why he's so successful. And it, him parlaying that, but also having the the foresight and the the you know, the self awareness to know. Look, anything in this business, especially wrestling, is subjective. So, you know, so you know, one man's trash is another man's treasure, right? And that's like, like, let's take the Ellsworth thing. So many people going, I can't believe NWA have done this. Oh, this is so, you know. But then all the other people going, oh, this is so compelling, it's so awesome. Like, oh, like I'm, you know, and it made them watch. You know, it's like, hey, you know, have an opinion. We don't care. We like, we want you to have an opinion, but just know that. We're, nothing we do is is for instant gratification. It's to keep you propelled and keep you interested because that's the business we're in, you know. And that's and that's the approach that that led to the prosperity of the business in the boom periods that preceded us. And it's really exciting to um to see where it's going to go next. And uh, I think you know to see the, uh, the the tour that you're on and the match you're going to take on. It's got to me. It's got a bit of an air of. Um, you know, Ric Flair taking on all comers, the Great American Bash, you know, the, the, that kind of thing. And and the more that you can take that out, to, well, I'm, I'm saying you at the moment, whoever it will be. But of course, yeah. in, in the moment, we're talking about yourself and you know, the, whatever you can do for that, I think is always going to be a good thing. And you touched on it right at the very start of this: is the the way that wrestling is um, imbibed these days. It's not necessarily, you know, the same channel on a Sky Channel every week. It's not even on Sky Plus necessarily. It's it's on your iPad, it's New Japan World, it's WWE Network, it's wherever you take it in. So, you know, if people bookmark YouTube.com, NWA, and start to be compelled by it, and they enjoy it, they're going to buy a ticket. And that's that's what the industry is about. Well, I think anyone with anyone who, who's paying attention can figure out that within the next 10 years here, we're, we're, you know, things are going to be very, very different as far as the way people consume, you know, their, 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 their television, their entertainment. So... We're, we're ahead of the curve on that you know I, I, I'm not involved in that stuff you know on that level I'm just a talent but obviously you know I'm privileged enough to be sort of privy to, to some of the you know some of the movements going on and just know this that, that the direction we're heading is like to, to be ready for the future and not be not be like scrambling for something now just for us to go look we've got TV like we're, we're great like it's we're, we're, we're you know they're in this for the long haul and so am I that's terrific to hear, and because I think to um, to fans, that we, you know, we've talked about a range of different wrestling fans on this conversation, and some people might be uh, a touch offended. I'm not particularly fussed if they are or not, but it, hopefully they'll understand that whatever your view on something. Off, uh, pun, I, I, I hope I'm not rubbing off on you. 
You sound, you sound like <laughs> he's always been like that, Nick. Don't worry about it. No, no, that's okay. No, that's, that's quite true, actually. And it's like my point is that um, whatever people may think, I hope they come away thinking and knowing that you care. You're not someone that's turned yeah. up, page, oh, he's got a good body, he turns up, he wrestles a bit, he fucks off. They understand that you care about what you're doing and you're desperate to make a you know, a success of this. And I think what people forget with you is that you know, you've been around a little while, but you're 31. You know, you, you've got a long, you're long time in this industry if you want to. You're still learning in certain ways, but you've got a great experience in certain ways. You're in such a good position to do this, and I think, I think it's a great choice. I'm not just blowing smoke because I know you and because you're on the show, but it's a great choice for them, for someone like yourself, because you can, you know, look for a different market. It could be someone that we've seen a million times before. It could be someone we've never seen before. But it's, I think they've made a good choice for you, and I hope that you don't think I'm being too patronising there. But it's, I'm, I, I love your passion for, for how you're talking about it. Yeah, I don't think you're being patronizing. I completely agree with you. <laughs> okay. Well, that was a rather interesting interview, Rob. I, uh, you know, quite a controversial opinion, some will say, but I have to say, you know, a lot of what he's saying, you know, really, really rings true to me. Um, I might not have such a passionate opinion about it as him. I might not agree with absolutely everything Nick thinks, but I would say, you know, 80% of what, what he's trying to get at, I'm, I'm fully on board with. What about you? Yeah, I think it's a similar sort of percentage. And I'd even go so far as to say that by you referring to it as potentially controversial, you're playing into some of the things that he said because what was contra- right. what was controversial about it? This is one man's opinion. You either agree or you disagree. He didn't say anything potentially libelous or damaging or offensive. He talked about his feelings on the wrestling industry. So if that in some to some people is, quote, controversial, I think they're a little bit... Uh, little bit sensitive I think listen if anyone listens to this and goes I can't stand the man everything he says is nonsense you know he's offending wrestling fans that's okay I haven't got an issue with that and I'm not saying to those people (laughs) go away and never listen that's cool I think what's the point is is let's you know let's share with everybody we might have someone on next week that talks about the the very opposites and we might sound like we're standing here like hypocrites saying to them oh we agree with you but I don't think it's necessarily us taking the side of whoever's on I think it's just listening to where they're coming from and a lot of his opinions about how the wrestling public have been fed um, and are a bit entitled man alive do I resonate with that I hated all the you know boycott WWE network and whatever a couple of years ago just because WWE had the temerity not to make Daniel Bryan the the Raw Rumble winner and oh look four months later Daniel Bryan retires you know maybe they knew something you didn't and it's like I haven't seen all that many people online going I got that one wrong. My bad, WWE. They'll have gone on to the next cause that they're moaning about. So, listen, it's not everybody. And I think, um, you know, Nick said it, JR said it a few weeks ago when he was talking about the people that uh, that criticise his commentary and stuff. I think we realise that this is not the majority of people. And I think, you know, by following social media and getting a little bit too involved in it, I think we can realise, you know, hey, listen, I won't go into any depth on it, but we had our own little incident ourselves didn't we six or seven weeks ago with hooked on wrestling that looked like it was going to be a big deal for a time actually yep. in the end you realize it's a minority and they shout loud and eventually it calms down and it goes away and we realize that most people don't necessarily share the loudest opinion you know yeah it's, it's not necessarily we won't like, go into too much of that but it's i think i respected him for coming out and talking to us and saying certain things that yeah definitely would would put let's use the you know, the insider expression heat on him but they won't put heat on him inside the industry. It'll only be with you know a section of fans. 
yeah i think i think you're absolutely right and i i it's interesting what you mentioned at the start of that bit there when you talked about you know potentially let's say we got somebody who had the complete polar opposite view um next week um and yeah you know you've to a, to a degree you've got to um you know you can't go just arguing out and out with your guests if you don't agree with their opinion but at the same time it's very easy for us all to be in our own little echo chambers and just like you know have our opinions thrown back at us by like-minded people um and if you didn't agree with nick which a lot of our listeners won't um then you know it's all the more important that you hear those opinions because you know it's very very easy as not just as wrestling fans as people for us to just believe that what we like and what we want to consume and how we want to consume it is the most important and obviously that's important to your personal enjoyment but it would it would do us all the world of good without getting too deep into this that it would do the all of us and i'm not speaking to the, just the people who really listen to this podcast but everyone if we could just take a step back and realized it wasn't just about what we want and it isn't just about our tastes and we shouldn't just be shouting and screaming when it's not exactly how we want it um i think we could all learn some really serious lessons from that point of view um and it's maybe you know if if one person goes away and has to think about that then i think you know it's worthwhile there's inevitably points in interviews like that where um i want to say something and you want to say something and we end up not quite doing so because one of us is in Devon and the other one's in Yorkshire and you know, Nick's wherever he is in London at the moment and it's <laughs> quite hard for us all to uh, indicate who's going to speak next but certainly one of the things that I wanted to get in at one point and I never quite did was um, I was talking about how you can get wrestling in lots of different forms these days the network, New Japan World etc it's almost to me like if you compare it to having a meal and I'm not talking gourmet here but it's almost like being able to have um, you know, a Whopper from Burger King McDonald's fries and a KFC drink. You know, I've you, done that. If you want to, <laughs> you probably have. <laughs> service station somewhere on the M1. <laughs> yeah. But, no, but, gen- but generally speaking, you're in one or the other, aren't you? And you might prefer their burgers, but their drinks and their chicken nuggets and their dips and their whatever. Listen, I'm talking highbrow here, aren't I? Not, not talking about the difference <laughs> between the ivy and you know the the fat duck. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know what I'm saying. You can pick and choose, but now you can do that with wrestling. So. If you want to watch stuff on the network, but you're not interested in this, but you are interested in that, okay, you want to watch old WWE and you don't watch the new stuff, fine, watch the old pay-per-views, but at the same time, you can watch Wrestle Kingdom, and you can watch British shows on Fight TV, and you can watch NWA on their YouTube channel, and you can watch British wrestling shows live, and you can listen to podcasts on Podbean, and you can listen to podcasts on SoundCloud, and you can watch clips on YouTube, and you, you can just go everywhere, and you can pick and choose what you want, it's a massive... It, you know, wrestling is becoming, you know, a, a hungry house or just eat or something where you can pick and choose from various different places. You don't just have to have, you know, you're not a WWE fan and that's it. But you can take the best bits of NXT and of Impact and of, you know, One PW and whoever it is. You can you can do what you like and you can you know you can go from, you know, place to place and 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 uh, pick up. Do I mean IPW rather than One PW? I do make pun. Um, you do, yeah. Yeah, I do, yeah. But um. You know what I'm saying? It's this. It's that kind of you can you can pick your, your your spots, and so I see so many people sit through three hours of Raw and go, God, another terrible show. And it's like, don't watch it, dude. Just watch something else, because New Japan's great and Progress is great and everything. So many things that are great. Watch that. 
And if you find Ring of Honor boring, well, watch bloody old WWE. So watch, go and watch Tuesday Night Titans then. There's so much stuff that you can watch. You can watch Georgia Championship Wrestling and you can watch Mid-South and you, all, it's all old stuff. Go and enjoy what was being written 40 years ago. You might like it. It's just so much around. And I, I love the fact that they are going for something. The NWA is not a company. It is not a, here's a new weekly show. It's not, here's a new app. It's not, here's this... It's a concept. The idea is you've got a champion who represents the National Wrestling Alliance. Clearly that's not what it used to be, but the concept is there. So he is a champ that represents that belt, and he travels around wrestling people for the title. And if you can follow that story, that's what the £10 of gold on YouTube is going to be. You're following Nick. You're following his story. I don't like Nick Aldis. I don't want to follow his story. Okay, follow his story and hope he gets beat then. You know, there's, there's, a, you know, there's a certain joy, a certain schadenfreude in watching people get beat. Follow him till he gets beat. And he might get beat by someone who you really like, and then you can follow that journey. And it's, and if you don't want to follow the journey, watch bloody Raw and Smackdown then. It's, it's, that's my issue, that's me getting onto the uh, the oldest line of thinking there, but uh, as he said towards the end about him uh, influencing my attitude. But um, was there anything else that you wanted to get in, Paul? I sense that there was a couple of times where you were edging to speak mate and I cut you off so including one no. where you, you just went you genuinely talking. cut me off yes <laughs> um, no I uh, no, I think I think that I covered I, I expected the interview to go a little bit differently I thought we might be talking about some more traditional wrestling um, questions you know talking about the history of the NWA and the lineage and where Nick took his influences from but to be honest I think those questions would have been a bit redundant by the end of it because I think it was very clear um, from his attitude and, and what he wants to achieve, where his influences lie, um, and with that in mind, you know he, he's he's got the perfect belt on his shoulder, because um, if, if that if that's the way he wants his career to go, you know if he just looks back at the lineage of that title and looks at your flares and your races and your bockwinkles, then he is absolutely in that mould now. You know, obviously he'll be the first to say that his career doesn't hold a candle to theirs yet, but. He's on the right, you know, he's on the right lines and he's got the right sort of role models to achieve what he wants to achieve. So, yeah, I all the best to him. I, Nick's a great guy. I've known him a lot of years. Um, he's very outspoken. He's never been shy about coming forward about anything. And I think that's, you know, helped him get where he is. So, you know, I'll, I'll certainly be keeping, on, keeping an eye on NWA. And the fact is, if I watch it for a bit and it doesn't float my boat, I'll just stop. But everyone should give it a go because from the little I've seen so far of the of the newly relaunched product I think it's really interesting especially for those who might might be a little bit disaffected um, with the, the flippy floppy type stuff that um, is so prevalent nowadays and not not my cup of tea if it, plenty of people who it does appeal to and that's fantastic and that's great you know whatever floats your boat we're all wrestling fans but I prefer something a bit more old school a bit more grounded both literally and uh, in the storyline sense and uh, NWA seems to be um, offering that, so I'll definitely give it a fair shake. I think there's a little, there's a real life thing taking place at the moment, and I'm not saying everyone thinks like me. I'm not speaking for all football fans here, but right now the Six Nations is on, isn't it? Um, in this, if you're listening, if, if you're not listening in there, in Europe, and the Six Nations is a rugby tournament um, between England, Scotland, Wales, Ireland, France, and Italy. And over a sort of eight or nine week period, there are five game weeks where they all play one another to have a little mini league. I can't stand rugby, don't like it, won't watch it, not interested. However, 
This is a time of year where it's big for rugby fans. I've got many friends who are rugby fans. They love the Six Nations. They love cheering on England. England won on Saturday against Wales. Well done. And it's a time of year where I just go quiet and I let them watch it <laughs> as if I've got control over them. But you know what I mean? It's a, it's their time to me. This I'm, I'm happy for them to watch it and I'll ask how they got on and, oh, good, did you want that to happen? Good. And that's me. That's fine. To me, that's being me. But I don't like their sport, but I'm respectful of it. You wait till we get to the World Cup and I'll be full of rugby fans going, oh, I hate football. And it's like, it really grinds my gears. It's like, okay, don't watch it then. There are several hundred thousand channels that you can watch. Watch something else. And it's like, I don't, to me, that's the, that's the attitude, you know, from things that just we've, we've been talking about. If you don't like it, you can change the channel. Um, just to wrap, put a bow on this, I just want you to uh, refer back to, uh, towards the end of that, Nick said something about um, the Facebook post. He talked to you, Paul, and said, oh, the Facebook post that you mentioned. I think you mentioned it before we recorded the interview with him, if you know what I mean. So yeah. will, you, will you just explain what it is? You can quote it, censor certain bits. But it was on Facebook and Instagram. Nick put a post up a couple of days ago, and it really resonated with Paul. This is what it was. Yeah, quite simply, he put a put a photo of him up, um, dressing as Nick does in his three-piece suit with his with his belt over his shoulder, coming down the entranceway for NWA Hollywood, and it simply said, "Act like you own a place. F this. I'm just like the fans. Please love me." Stuff. I'm I'm taking the swear words out of there because I don't want to I don't want to latest profanity. But the point is. He was saying, look, let, let's let's not be like the fans. Let's be bigger than the fans. Dare I say it, better than the fans. And as a performer and as a star, that's I think that's where you want to be. And I wasn't just blowing smoke. That line he said about it's 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 about stardom, not popularity, encapsulated everything. A whole essence of that interview is encapsulated by those few words to me. Um, and I think it's something that you know I'd never really thought of it before. But he's, he's so right. There is a shortcut to being popular. And you see it a lot with NXT, obviously, being in the same place. It's very easy to get those fans to cheer you for, through popularity. But then how many acts have we seen that have gone gangbusters on NXT in front of those fans due to being popular, go up to the main roster and sink without a trace? Mm-hmm. Um, the one that springs to mind straight away, it's probably unfair to single just one out, but I'm going to anyway, Adam Rose. Um hugely over in NXT did nothing in WWE um, Ty Dillinger's another one and um, Emma Emma yeah absolutely so I think Tyler Nick, Breeze uh, to an extent more than to an extent mate yeah. you're absolutely right there you know if it wasn't for his tag team which is brilliant tag team with Fandango he'd, he'd be gone he'd, he'd be gone um, so yeah I fully agree with Nick it's not the easy route to take um, there are shorter cuts to being popular it's the hard one but it's the one that if you succeed um, you'll be made forever so best of luck it suddenly sounds like a, a political debate from about seven or eight years ago doesn't it all of us saying I agree with Nick um, <laughs> if you recall that particular uh, foray oh, yes. into television but listen I want to address because there will be people listening you know heard our comments during the interview and thought I'll listen to them too fawning but here's the point guys this is our podcast we can have on here who we want. No one forces us, not the Sun, not wrestling companies, not anyone, tells us who we can have on our podcast. I would say in the last five weeks that we've, we've started this kind of new season, we've been offered, what would you say, Paul, somewhere between about 10 and 15 different people. Would you like so yeah. on the podcast? Would you like so and so And we go, hmm, no, you're okay. You're okay. 
not one of those have we taken. Not one of the people that we've been offered so far have we taken. We may do. It's nothing against those people. I'm not going to name them. But everyone we've got so far, we've chatted about. I said to Paul, I'd love to talk to JR about um, about Monday Night Raw, and I know JR, so we got him. Jim um, Jim Duggan was doing a show quite near me. I went to see him. Fine. Gail Kim was wrestling her last match. I happen to know Gail. Paul knows Gail. We got her. Nick's a you know a friend of Paul's, and I've known Nick for several years as well. He knew he knew he was in the country. We got him. That's how we've got our interview so far. There are people that we know and we want to speak to. Every single person, with the exception of Jim Duggan, that's been a guest on the, for the new season, are people that we know. So of course we like them, and of course we have a tendency to agree with them. So, I mean, <laughs> if he'd have said something which I completely fundamentally disagreed with, I would have called him on it. Because first of all, that would have been really interesting. You know, I care about the podcast first. You know, Nick second, Paul ninth. But it's you know, <laughs> I, <laughs> I care about the podcast, and if it's good entertainment, and if he takes umbrage and ha- hangs the phone up, well, that's good entertainment. I'm not going to be nice to him just for the sake of being nice to him. But I happen to agree with much much of what he said, so therefore it wasn't a problem. But it, it recalls sorry sorry about that. It recalls um, a uh, an interview I did a few years ago. I, I thought about this during the interview as well with Nick. Was uh, I interviewed Bully Ray um, in Manchester? I'm going to say five, six years ago, something like that. Um, great interview, one of my favourite interviews I've done. Really, really enjoyed it. He was engaging, he was talkative. We talked about football, he's a big football fan. We talked about Milan, we talked about wrestling, um, sort of footballers that could be wrestlers. We talked about Mario Balotelli and Reno Gattuso and people like that. And then we talked about all sorts of wrestling stuff. But this was during an, an era where there was a lot of talk about chair shots to the head. And I called him out on it, and I said, "Look, you know, we know a lot of these things now about concussions and stuff. Last week, there you are, an impact, whack, chair. You know, why are you still doing it?" And he put his side, and I disagreed, and I put my side, and we both went, "Okay, we don't necessarily agree. Next topic." And I, I think it was uh, that was nominated for some award or other. That interview, it was, it was a, you know, that's not, no, 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 and that's not, that's not, <laughs> that is not me patting myself on the back. That is because he was an engaging guest. Partly it's because I went to places that some interviewers wouldn't do, but mainly it was because he spoke his mind and was really, really interesting, and I got something out of him. Um, but we didn't agree. I didn't. I wasn't a sycophant. I, we didn't agree on stuff, but it finished. And I remember there being at some point someone came in, come in and went, oh, you know, catering's ready, which almost felt like a, a get-out clause for him. And he went, oh, I'm not one of these prima donnas that needs to get a catering. He went, oh, I'll finish my interview. And he carried on and he carried on. I remember at one point he went, oh, I really need to go to the bathroom. And I said, oh, we'll leave it there. Then he went, no, no, I'll carry on if you want. And I said, oh, that's plenty, you know, it's not a problem. He couldn't have been nicer. He had such a bad reputation. He could not have been nicer. What a what a guy. I think Bully Ray's awesome. The Every following day... I've... Sorry, mate. Sorry, the, go on. The following... No, go on, I've put you off mid-flow. The following day, or maybe two days later, we were in London. We've talked about this before on the podcast. After the London show, after the Wembley Arena show, when the TNA tour was on... Um, open bar, all the TNA talent, hangers-on such as me, people that work for the company, even tangentially such as Paul, sponsors, partners. What would there normally be, Paul, in that bar? About 100? Something like that? Yes, I mean, in that region, a, yeah. A bit of an end-of-season end of, end of piss-up sort of thing, but not a massive one, but it's a nice, usually quite convivial atmosphere. And there was, uh, there was Bully Ray at the bar, leaning on the bar. And I went to get a drink, and I wandered up, and I sort of patted him on the shoulder and said, Hi and I did some joke or other and he looked at me and he basically sneered and he got up and he walked away and I thought 
what a prick. I've just spoken to him a couple of days ago, did a nice interview, and then he reacts like that. And then I thought, actually, do you know what? Who's the, who's the asshole here? Is it the guy that's worked his nuts off that night and is sat at the bar trying to have a quiet drink? Or is it the guy that's wandered up with a smart-ass comment that's only met him once? I'm the prat, right? And actually, you could put a second level to that and say, he lost two matches on that night's show. I know it is sports entertainment. I know it is a scripted entity. But if there is anyone you know, that would try and carry it on and keep kayfabe into the bar, it's him. Why would I be happy-go-lucky in the bar, he could say, when I've just lost my two matches tonight? Now, I might be reading a little bit too much into that, but I wouldn't mind if that was his attitude. And Nick told a story, did he not, during the actual um, interview, which was along those lines in terms of you know someone thinking they're their best mate just because they've done an interview with you. And I am more than willing to go, I was... I probably had a couple of drinks in me and I was a little bit bold but who am I to go and knock him on the shoulder and start doing little gags and stuff once I've met him he probably didn't even remember me from the following day and why should he so I'm happy to hold my hands up and say that I was the I was the loser on that occasion I just want to get that story because I think that's a fascinating story you know of me you know transgressing a little bit and I like to think that I've learned since then um, but I can understand how wrestlers, if they have to put up that on a, on a regular, not just wrestlers, but any kind of celebrity, has to put up with that on a regular basis. You know, everyone thinks it's funny when they shout, you know, only me to Harry Enfield when he's walking on the street, or, you know, or um, you know, some you know, I can't think of a more modern catchphrase than something that was in the bloody early 90s. But then that's me. But you know what I'm saying? What's what's a what's an up-to-date catchphrase from a TV show? I can't think of one. Come on, Paul, you're better. Oh, on, come on. You're better on modern. Um, I'm got a clue. I'm just trying culture. to. I'm just trying to work out whether that was the same year that I was sat at the bar with Bully Ray doing slippery nipple shots. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. But, uh, enough about Bully Ray's slippery nipples, which sounds as if it could be a fanzine, <laughs> doesn't it? If uh, <laughs> if we were being tapped into the world, uh, there is no possible segue from uh, a Bully Ray slippery nipple. Uh, but we shall move on to. Um, talking a little bit about the Elimination Chamber, which is coming up uh, a week on Sunday as we speak. Um, we're not really in a position yet to you know, to completely go through the card. I think there's still a little bit of work to do next week in the last couple of shows just to finalise everything and um, and whatnot. So I think what we'll do is we'll have a little chat about the concept, Paul. It will save us a bit of time next week when we're you know, re- previewing it a little. So mm. is the Elimination Chamber one of those pay-per-views that gets you going, oh great, it's Elimination Chamber, or is it one of those ones, oh, I hate this one, or maybe something in between? Do you know, it's, it's actually something in between. Um, it's a really odd one. I, I, I find it very hard to reconcile my thoughts on the Elimination Chamber um, generally. How, I, I don't know how many there have been, maybe 15 Elimination Chamber matches in the past, 20, something Ooh, like that, I'm not sure. Yeah, probably a bit more, but yeah, go on. A bit more. Well, I can't remember seeing a bad one frankly and and some of them have been actively good i like the concept i like the gimmick i like everything about it but at the same time i just can't think of any true you know sean michaels aside when he won the first one which was a truly important historic moment there's no iconic moments for me from the elimination chamber in fact you know as bad as it seems and it does sound like, like i'm being a bit frivolous but if you say what's what moment do you remember from Elimination Chambers, the first one that springs to my head, other than the Shawn Michaels title win, is when Bloody Undertaker set himself on fire with his pyro, um, and that was before the match started. 
Um, I think it really suffers from those lack that from that lack of iconic moments, which stops it being embedded in people's minds in the same way that TLC matches and Hell in a Cell matches have all had those moments that get replayed over and over again and have and have allowed them to, to become part of the wrestling consciousness. Elimination Chambers never had that and I think it suffers um, because of it, certainly in my mind. I think just the sheer volume of them I don't think has been, uh, has been a great help. How many did you think there had been? I thought there was 15 to 20. Uh, there's, there's been there's been, tw- uh, there's been 20. There's been 20. The, uh, the upcoming two... 20, right. The okay. upcoming two are the 21st and 22nd. Um, right. So there's been 20 up till now. But a concept which started um, in 2002 with, get these names, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, Chris Jericho, Kane, Booker T, RVD. Let's go on a year. Triple H, Goldberg, Jericho, Michaels, Orton, Nash... You know, on another couple of years, Triple H, Orton, Batista, Jericho, Benoit, Edge. You know, that's who you started with. Um, Los Matadores have been in the Elimination Chamber. Mm. You know what I mean? The Lucha Dragons, the Ascension. You know, the prime time players. Oh, I'm picking on one match. But, you know, I didn't, well, like, I didn't like the tag version of it. I didn't like the IC version of it. I'm okay with the women doing it, because that, to me, we're, we're doing the equal... You know, equal level thing these days, and that's a world title, so I'm kind of okay with that. But I, I don't particularly like it being a, a number one contenders match and a icy title match. And you know, I think that we've, we've talked already on this podcast with Nick about the the value of the belt, and I just thought that you know those kind of matches were a little frivolous. Um, in terms of the moments, yeah, I agree with you on that point. I, I certainly haven't had the moments where I've gone, you know, that's a an iconic one apart from things that have necessarily been outside of the um, the match itself like I can think of Shawn Michaels jumping out and super kicking Undertaker so he would get his title match at what was that Wrestlemania 26 yeah that's the first one that jumps out at me um, as well as there being various uh, you know relatively cool bumps from the top of the 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 chambers and spears I remember the, the, the first couple where it was basically this bulletproof plexon whatever they called it and then someone immediately bumped through one that, that's, a <laughs> yes. good bullet, that's good bulletproof isn't it someone got speared through one or whatever it was immediately. it's not cane proof yeah, it's not cane or goldberg proof um, uh, but, um, no, but I don't want to be too down on it because generally speaking I, I think it's a, a largely quite high quality uh, match you did say I don't think it's been a bad one I, I could hear from here our thousands of listeners shouting at you, December to dismember. Um, ah, yeah, I quite like that match. Did you? Did well, you? It was it was a good match in my opinion on an abomination of a pay per view, but I don't mind that match. I mean, it's not name, it's, name the six. Name the six. Okay, here we go. So without looking at it, there's CM Punk, mm-hmm. Big Show, mm-hmm. Lashley, yes, Hardcore Holly, very good, RVD. And oh, uh, uh, test. Yes, test. very good. Man. Test. Hardcore Holly and Sabu. Test. Hardcore Holly and Test are the two different ones. Well, the fact that you nearly said Sabu, you know, we were just relaunching ECW, and oh look, one ECW guy. I know, I you know. know it's you, if, if ever there was a chance to put a Sabu uh, or someone into a match like that, it would have been the. Well, that, that, to be honest, by the time that pay per view came round, uh, ECW in any meaningful form was dead, dead. I, I just remember watching that pay per view. If you remember. Before the pay-per-view came on, 
there was two matches announced. There was the Elimination Chamber, which actually had Sabu announced until the day of the pay-per-view when he got removed for Holly, I think it was, who was the replacement on the night. And the other match, can you remember what the other match pre-announced was? I, I know it. What was the other match that was announced ahead of time for December to dismember? The only one that sticks in my mind was... Uh, it was Eminem against the Hardys. Ten points, man. Yep, that's right. Everything else on the card was just thrown together at the night, and it was all shite. It was all Sylvester, Sylvester Turkai, Great Carly against Tommy Dreamer. It was, it was. I would say it's got to be the worst pay-per-view WWE have ever presented, and I don't think there'll be many in the company that disagree with that. It was just dreadful. Um, and that main event maybe was just good by comparison. I don't know, but I, I yeah. I, when you talk about elimination chamber matches, yes, that's in the bottom tier of them, but I still found enjoyment in it. And I think we'll find enjoyment in them in this year's one. I'm interested in how quickly almost everyone I saw, well, not almost everyone, but I saw several people say, oh, there's seven people in it this year. They're going to build a new chamber. (laughs) And I thought, you think it's more likely that they will go to the expense of building a new chamber to put an extra pod in rather than just starting with three people in the ring? Or you know what they need to do. Am I wrong here? Am 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 I being thick? You know, you know what they need. They, they need more mileage out of that shark cage, Rob. Maybe they'll just hang a shark cage inside the inside the chamber. He didn't. Answer, <laughs> he didn't answer, ladies and gentlemen. I said, "Am I being thick?" And he didn't answer me. <laughs> no, uh, mate. Obviously, obviously, it's going to start with three people. Well, either that, or they so. stick. Either that, I, they stick Elias and a another in one pod together and see how long it takes them. For that actually a. would be really funny. That would be really funny to put two people in the same chamber. Like when someone mm. someone extra qualifies for the 100 metres final in the Olympics and they've got to share a lane or something. Or maybe not the 100 metres, but the 800 metres or something. Yeah, they have yeah. to share lanes. Um, okay, so we've, we've talked a little bit. Do you think the Elimination Chamber has suffered from, you know, overkill that some of the pay-per-views... Because I think the Elimination Chamber hasn't always no. had two-on-one show, but a lot of the time... When it was a shared brand thing, mm. you know, when it was No Way Out for a couple of years and then it became Elimination Chamber in 2010... You know, all of those years we had a Raw one and a SmackDown run, a Raw one and a SmackDown one. In 2013 and 14, there was just one each. Uh, in 15, it was the tag and the IC titles, and then last year it went to just back to being one. So they've they've, they've sort of fluctuated. Yeah, um, yeah. A couple of times they've moved Elimination Chamber in in the year. You know, a couple of years ago it was in May. Now it's back in February. Um, they don't seem to have struck a concept to me. Like I know the Raw Rumble changed this year. But we've been kind of used to match, 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 rumble. You know, and it's got a structure, hasn't it? And other shows have been match, 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 TLC. Or, no, actually, that's a bad example because you have tables matches and ladder matches. But you'd have, you know, match, 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 money in the bank. There's, there's, been, a, there's been a bit of a, you know, a, a way of doing it, a time of year that's been on. I think Elimination Chamber might have been affected by being, you know, played around with a little. Uh, yes and no I, I think that's definitely to its credit because it's a multi-man match um, that doesn't necessarily it do, you know it's not like a big feud ending gimmick like a cage match or a Hell in a Cell match or whatever should be so I think the fact that it's got its own gimmick its own titled pay-per-view hasn't hurt it in the same way that Hell in a Cell has no, I didn't absolutely nec- been I didn't hurt. necessarily say the title of it but I mean that it's been some no, some years it's been in May, some years it's been in February, yeah, some years it's been Raw, yeah. some years it's been SmackDown, some years it's been IC title and tag title, some years it's number one contender. It, it doesn't have a, it doesn't really have an identity other than the match itself. It's I think it's played with too much. 
I think it has been over the years, but I think it. it well, it, it, they didn't they get away from the pay per view altogether for a few years? Didn't they just didn't they just stop doing the pay per view? Oh, well, no. 2016 was the only year they didn't have one. I think oh, actually. Okay, look, yeah, one year. One year then. I think. Yeah, yeah, but you're right. It's been all over the calendar. I think just looking at it here, the first one was in 2010. And actually, there's only been one year when it's not been in February. So maybe or two, I think if you count the fact that one of them, you know, one of them wasn't there at all. You know, so it went February, February, yeah, February, February. Yeah, sure. May didn't but, exist February. So. But I think you're right. I think you're right. I think there's been there's been it's not been able to embed itself in the way that like the Royal Rumble has, and the Royal Rumble is is its older cousin, isn't it? And um, I think if they can keep it in February, one male and one female version then I think they're on to something because I think it's a it's a very nice way of saying, okay, one um, one contender for WrestleMania is decided in a Royal Rumble and then they've got a bit of flexibility in the Elimination Chamber because they can, depending on you know, whether there's a brand split, depending on what the storyline calls for, they can either put the title in there or they could put the number one contendership in there. Um, and this year they've obviously got the number one contendership in there for Raw and the title for... Um, for, for the women's um, for the title so unfortunately I do think that makes it um, fairly obvious who's going to win pro- certainly the men's possibly the women's but it's it's a good it's a good extra route to Wrestlemania I'd like to see it stay where it is and I think if they can keep some discipline and keep it there for a few years I think maybe it will help with its with its iconography we're going to go into the details of the uh, the match itself, predictions and, and previews a little bit uh, next week on the podcast. But I will just say quickly for the uh, uh, the women's match, uh, I do think it's a, a great shame that, that Nia Jax, um, I believe, is injured. Is that correct? Um, is that right? I don't know. Well, the, the, she's not in it. I, I think it's I think it's a big miss that she's not in the matches. She isn't she facing somebody else? She may well be, but it's. Um, what I've got in yeah, she's against Asuka. she's against Asuka. Okay, well I think it's a big miss for the Akusha. Right? I'm thinking of it. it's Tamina that's injured. I do beg your pardon. Yes, it is. Um, yeah. But um, I think she's a miss for that match. I think I think they would have worked around her. I think sometimes you need that sort of solid base in these multi-person matches. And you know, I'm, I worry a little bit that Mandy Rose, Sonny Deville. I'm not quite sure they're. Exp- I think it's a very hard match. I don't think it's. I think a lot of the matches that we've had so far, where the women have been very groundbreaking, you know, doing main events, Hell in the Cell, Rumbles, you know, you've had very reliable hands. You know, clearly yeah. Mickey's in this match. She's very experienced, very reliable. She'll be fine. You know, Sasha's very good. Alexa Bailey. But I just think I'm not. I'm not convinced about this being a huge success. I'm a little bit worried about it. But we'll we'll go into that a little bit more next week, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, you know, a couple of the names in there are a little bit rogue people. I think there's probably enough, enough talent in there to make it work, depending on the booking. But certainly the male, the male um, elimination chamber looks pretty stacked, and very, like you said about having to have certain sort of tropes in there to make it work. Well, I think that's got a real good spread of different types of wrestlers people at different points in their career heels faces big guys small guys i think it's a really cool mix actually yes it is i agree with that and uh we will uh, go into much more detail on the uh the whole pay-per-view itself uh next week and um, we'll try and get on a uh, a guest from the uh from the industry who can have a, a chat with us uh, about that pay-per-view in itself um this particular pay-per-view is not one that we are covering from hooked on wrestling uh, from a live show perspective but the next time we should be doing that 
will be at WrestleMania 34 itself. As we speak, the clock is counting down April the 8th. Not all that far away now, Paul. And nope. uh, we are, I think it's fair to say, we're going pretty big for WrestleMania at Hooked on Wrestling. Go big or go home. That's the motto for for WrestleMania this year. Absolutely. So we don't intend to go home. So going big's the only option. How many different uh, venues are we running now? At the last count, it was more than seven hundred. Is that right? Is that correct? More than seven hundred. Uh, actually, Rob, it's it's seven hundred and sixteen now. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> no, we've got. Let me just have a look. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. We've got thirteen on sale right now, and that is not the end. That was live counting there. You were. Yes, it to. was. Whoa. I have actually well, just they did a brilliant segment actually... on on the show this week. They they did live counting. <laughs> thirteen, thirteen announced at least. At least two more to come. And uh, possibly even more, folks. Um, Paul's gone insane, basically. That's what's <laughs> happened. Uh, but capitalise while you can, because he's off his nut. Um, are you in a position where you can tell us where, where those uh, 13 are, sir? I will. I'm not going to go into bars and stuff this week. No, I'm going to keep it fairly light. But essentially, first of all, if you want any tickets for these guys, ringsideworld.co.uk. More information, you can go and check out facebook.com forward slash HO Wrestling. Click on our events tab, and there's, each of these has got its own uh, info tab on there. But I'm going to run through very quickly the cities. So, or cities and towns as it is now, we're, we've branched out a bit. So, we've got events in London, Manchester, Sheffield, Chelmsford, Brighton, Newbury, Bournemouth, Derby, Leeds, Watford, Cleethorpes, Birmingham, and Glasgow currently announced and as I said more to come we are super serving some areas of the country there there's a few uh, down in the south east you've got plenty to choose from come to come to London Clapham it's the best um, but uh, <laughs> you have lots of options um, for those of you that have asked why aren't you coming to my town no, we might get there in the end but we're certainly trying out a few uh, new venues um, uh, I want to say a big thank you to all of our uh, partner brands that work with us on this because um, uh, it's you know we do our best to do what we can but we need the right venue the right people working with us and there'll be some people that have been to some of our shows before that haven't been the most impressed well you'll also find that those brands do not last very long with us uh, and others do so in particular I want to thank Walkabout who have been a, an absolutely fantastic partner uh, over yep. the years and in particular uh, at the moment uh, and I from a personal perspective will certainly uh Thank the Clapham Grand. When we lost our home, our spiritual home of Walkabout Temple on the uh, on the banks of the Thames, I didn't think we could replicate um, uh, that environment. Actually, we haven't. But what we've done is we've found somewhere different, but equally as cool. And for those yep. of you that with us for the Royal Rumble, oh, I had a blast at the Royal Rumble. It was so much fun. Great crowd. Um, the only issue we had was the TV was a little bit flickery at points, but we sorted that out, and it was it was a wonderful night it was an absolutely brilliant atmosphere everything was really well received and uh, we can't wait to bring you uh, Wrestlemania in that same venue and at various different places across the country as Paul said check out our social media um, and uh, also check out the social media of Ringside World because they'll um, uh, help you with uh, buying tickets update you on hosts and, uh, and that kind of thing um, we won't bombard you with the uh, uh, with the big sell this week we'll do a little bit more maybe next week but um, generally speaking it's the Hooked on Wrestling Pub Queers, it's the fancy dress, it's the wrestling music, and of course it's the pay-per-view itself, all for uh, 
uh, a great price to get out, watch it with your mates, meet some new people, and just generally have a great time. Anything there? Uh, anything you need to um, plug additionally, Paul? I think not, mate. We will leave it there for now. We will. So it's been a, it's been a very very different show this week. I think we. Uh, we have a little pre-show meeting every week, and we decide we discuss what we're going to talk about. And we've actually left off quite a few things, added a few different things in. But it's been uh, it's been most enjoyable, I think. It's been a, a different podcast. If you go back, um, if you are a relatively new listener of ours since we've been uh, with the Sun and since we've rebranded as the show, um, we have been around as the Hooked On podcast for uh, over 50 shows now. Uh, you can go back to uh, the start, uh, the actually the very 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 tail end of 2016, maybe. But certainly the start of 2017, uh, through last year's Rumble, through WrestleMania, uh, and up to the present day. Um, and a lot of our hosts uh, at various different venues have been guests on the podcast before. So if you're a little bit unsure about what your host is going to be like, there's a half-decent chance. Um, so Cleethorpe, Richard Young has been on the podcast. Uh, where's Ben Brown? Is he in Leeds? Leeds, yep. Ben Brown hosting Leeds. He's been on the podcast. Um, we did an exceptional podcast with... Um, with Dave Mastiff. Is Dave Mastiff in Birmingham again, Paul? He most certainly is. He's a top man. He's a great wrestler. He's an interesting guy. And he was a cracking interview. I want to say it was around about June or July, something like that last year. Maybe a little bit Sounds earlier. Sounds about right. Maybe a little Sounds bit, about right. Maybe a little bit earlier, actually, because I think he might have partaken in the, uh, the WrestleMania mixtape that we were playing. Um, so it might even have been as early as, uh, as March or so last year. Um, but okay. give that a listen. What a great interview. If, you, if you're interested in British wrestling and, and Dave in particular... And, and you're interested in the uh, the opinions that Nick had today. You know, Dave was someone that also spoke his mind on the on the state of the business, positive, negative, and all sorts in between. Um, that's been one of my favourite podcasts to date. So, Birmingham listeners, if you're uh, I'm in an RN about coming to our show there. If you didn't have enough um, ammunition to come already, find out the uh, the Dave Massive podcast and give that a listen because uh, he was uh, he was terrific value. Um, we will be coming at you with all sorts of guests, all sorts of different features uh, from now until WrestleMania and beyond here on the show. Um, Paul, is this your favourite time of year? Oh yeah, absolutely. Everyone seems to have their working boots on. There's a lot of intrigue. Um, I think I think if you can't enjoy wrestling in the months between January and April, then get off the bus, guys. <laughs> it's not going to happen. As a, as a general sport fan, I always I think my top sports would probably be, or four of my top sports if you want to include wrestling as a sport, wrestling, football, darts, and horse racing. And you get the conclusion to the football season, the Champions League knockout stages. You get the Premier League darts. You get the build to WrestleMania, the Cheltenham Festival, and the Aintree Festival. So much going on in those sports, and I think they all share something in common. It's because it's when it gets serious. You know, there are lots of matches in wrestling, in football, in other sports that are a little bit, I won't say flippant or, you know, have, have no necessary um, uh, end goal. But the games at the start of the season compared to the end of the season, you know, you're getting games like Real Madrid versus Paris Saint-Germain. You're getting Michael Van Gerwen versus Gary Anderson. You're getting to see the best horses against each other in the world at Cheltenham. And you're getting the build-up to WrestleMania when you start to get these big matches like AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura. To me, it's what the cliché merchants call the business end. I just like like to call it the real fun part of the year. And it is what we're about here at Uton Wrestling, our mantra. Um we've been outshined on the mantra front by uh, Nick coming up with an absolute cracker earlier on but our mantra is it's wrestling 
enjoy it and there's been plenty of moments on this podcast where we've been quite introspective and we look like we're picking holes in something but we're picking holes in something that we love very very dearly so uh, we encourage you to get out support your local wrestling listen to as many podcasts as you can do whatever it is to make you enjoy this industry and we'll be back here next week doing our very best to continue that so for me Robert Nichol and from Showbiz Paul Benson we'll see you very soon (laughs) 